Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He is Zachary Allen Goodman, my uh, esteemed colleague, producer, and co-host of the esteemed show. Esteemed colleague. Yeah, That's a new I, one. I didn't know where I was going. Esteemed just came out. So maybe you are okay. esteemed. Well, maybe. Maybe, I, maybe I, you I, are esteemed. I guess. I don't know. So, you know, I played golf last Sunday. And you know how I told you I had nine pars and a birdie on Friday that yeah, Friday I when that, I played yes. and I shot an 84. Well, I had eight pars um, on Sunday and two quadruple bogeys. <laughs> well, that's I had uh, two double bogeys. I had I think six three putts and shot a 90. Mm, which well, it I mean when you gonna, have it's when, gonna happen when you have eight pars a 90 shouldn't happen. I I agree with that. I, I think there's golf is one of the most inconsistent things you can do with your life because one day you'll go out there and have the best round ever the next day you'll have the worst round of your life it's never consistent what are you gonna do with your life i mean just look at jordan spieth oh jordan <laughs> just look at jordan spieth i hate jordan spieth you know why i hate jordan spieth i love jordan spieth because i, I see me i see me when i watch jordan when i i watch somebody who can play golf and when I say I see me, I don't see me as being this stellar golfer. I I mean, I mean like the mentality. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> like, like. Just the past two weeks, he shot like eight rounds in the sixties. He's so good. Yeah, but but like, he'll hit a he'll hit a drive, you know, ninety degrees. Okay, and then he'll go nope. and and then he'll hit this shot. He has no business hitting. He'll be behind a three, you know, behind a tree, and he'll hit a three wood like three hundred yards with a massive, you know, draw on it or something just to get on the green. He's on. He, He's stupid good with that stuff. It, it's it's ridiculous. It, it's like he's a recovery machine, is what he is. But then he also becomes um, uh, mentally small. Correct. He becomes <laughs> Correct. Me- he becomes mentally small and will cost himself tournaments because he just yeah. crumbles under the pressure. And, and you know, I, I I got into it with um, a bunch of people actually last year when I said Jordan Spieth is an S. And that I think he's a like like I don't think that he's that good. He's been really good the past few months. He's in yeah, the FedEx Cup playoffs, and yeah. he's always really good. But he he doesn't close, in my opinion. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. close. So anyway, getting off topic here a little bit. Uh, the Orioles certainly haven't been able to close this past week. Uh, Felix Bautista with the four earned runs allowed in game 1 against the uh Astros. They Oriole, the Orioles had a 6 to 3 lead in the in the top of the ninth and he gives up a grand slam to Kyle Tucker. And if you recall, last year the Orioles were playing the Astros at home and Felix Bautista was facing the Astros and the Orioles were up by two runs, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the bases were loaded and he goes gets to 3-2 on Kyle Tucker. Now he's already been well over 30 pitches. He's been struggling. It's the worst he's looked in quite a while yeah. at this point last year. D.L. Hall's in the bullpen, and I'm screaming because I'm listening to the game on the radio on my way home from work at the time, and I'm screaming at the radio, and screaming is maybe a bit of a fabrication. I'm pleading with the radio, Mm -hmm. put D.L. Hall in. Why would you have Felix Bautista, who's already over 30 pitches, and he's really struggled, face Kyle Tucker. He's one of the best left-handed hitters in the game when you have a power lefty like D.L. Hall in your bullpen. What happens, Bautista goes 3-2 on Tucker. Tucker ends up roping a bases-clearing double on the Astros and then winning the ballgame, yeah. right? The next day, same situation, bases loaded with two outs, Kyle Tucker up. They bring in D.L. Hall, who strikes him out, mm-hmm. which kind of proved my point. Fast forward to this year, and 
you have Felix Bautista, who has been phenomenal all yeah. year. There's been four months of this, four completed months of the season. He's won AL reliever of the month three times. Yep. He goes into that game, and all he needs to do is get Kyle Tucker out. What does he do? What was it, a, a six seven pitch at bat? Yeah. Ends up the the final pitch of the at bat is ninety nine middle middle. Right. And Tucker blasts it for a grand slam, and the Orioles end up losing the ball game seven to six, a game that they led five to nothing, that they led six to two in the eighth, and that they led six to three in the ninth. A game they need to win. Yeah. And they lose. The next day they go out and they just the bullpen the bullpen gave up twelve runs yeah. in that series. They were they were lucky to come away with the win on um on what was it on Thursday where Bautista gave up another run in the ninth inning but managed yep. to pull out the victory um, to save the series to keep the Orioles seventy six um, series streak of not being swept alive. Um, but n- there's no question the Orioles are playing not great baseball this week. And you go back to. They won seven of eight coming into the series against the Astros. They were twenty-one and seven since the All-Star break. They've yep. been playing phenomenal baseball, and then something happened. Something happened, and we're going to talk about it later in the show. Ryan Blake's going to join us in the eleven o'clock hour uh, for the whole second hour. I know that uh, Zach. I know you have opinions on this, but I also know that you don't like to. Uh, I'm going to share them. Don't okay. worry. I'm okay. going to share them. Um, but just just to kind of not to make you have to share too much. Um, sure, Ryan, it'd be good to get Ryan's perspective. Yeah, Ryan's going to come in. We haven't had Ryan on the show in a while. Ryan and I we're doing the um, we're doing the podcast together, the Give That Fan a Podcast uh, show together, and it's been on hiatus for quite a while now. So Ryan's going to join us. But the thing that happened is word got out that Kevin Brown had been quote unquote suspended. Yeah. by John Angelos for noting on the broadcast before the broadcast on on July twenty third that. The Orioles had won more games, had won as many games this season at Tropicana Field as they had the previous three years combined. That's not a negative comment. It's complimentary to how good the Orioles have been and and how much they've turned their fortunes around over the last couple of seasons. And there was a graphic that went along with this. Now, I used to work at Masson. I worked on O's Extra back in 2014. These graphics don't put themselves together. These graphics take time. I was one of the people to help put graphics together at Masson. And I will tell you that we did this hours in advance. And then on top of that, we gave these graphics to the on-air talent who would then make their own notes about the graphics. This stuff was planned hours before. Hours before. This was not something that just came out of nowhere. Kevin Brown saw and was like, oh, let me talk about this. This was planned. This was in their production meetings. This was something that was part of the broadcast. I won't get into a harsh criticism of the owner. I've been well documented. I do not care for John Angelos. I do not care for him. I think his father, for all the hate that Peter Angelos gets, Peter Angelos had one of the highest payrolls in baseball the, the entire mid to late 90s. Peter Angelos spent... $88 $88 million on Albert Bell. Peter Angelos signed Adam Jones, signed Nick Marcakis, signed Brian Roberts, signed Chris Davis, which at the time looked like a fine deal, signed Miguel Tejada, signed Palmero twice, signed Ripken to make him the highest paid player in baseball in the mid-90s. He signed Javi Lopez. He signed Musina the first time around. He signed Scott Erickson. Traded for Sammy Sosa. Peter Angelos... For all the criticism he gets, 
He spent money to put the best product on the field for this team. Now, look, they had a, he didn't spend money on pitching because he, did, he had a philosophy. He did not like to spe- go more than three or four years on starting pitching. So that hurt the Orioles. And they had a band box of ballpark until last season. And, you know, the moves that he made were not... Some of these players were in the twilight of their careers. And it didn't work out. And then he seemed to be kind of um, hesitant after the Albert Bell signing and the Scott Erickson signing. Because both of those those guys barely played those contracts, right? And then the Brian Roberts situation happened as well. But he spent the money. And when the Orioles from 2012 to 2016 had the best record in the American League over that five-year span, their payroll was around, was in the $160 to $170 million range. He spent the money when the, te- when the product on the field was worth spending the money on. Okay? We're not seeing that from the current Angelos regime. What has John Angelos done? He, signed Michael, he, he got Michael Elias in here who hired uh, Ensig Midell, and they hired Brandon Hyde. They had a, a rebuild that, let's be honest, it ended quicker than we expected it to. But what else has he done except take the limelight off of an organization that is having its best, maybe its best season in 40 years? For sure it's best season in nine years, if not 26 years, if not 40, right? He's taken the limelight off of that, made a team that has the best, one of the best turnarounds in baseball we've ever seen, that spent the majority of my lifetime being a punching bag for Major League Baseball, and he turned him back into a punching bag yeah, all over again. For something that's just, it's dumb. It's just dumb. It's egocentric. It's uh, Napoleonic. It is... <clears throat> I'm going off on a tangent here. I don't mean to. But it's an embarrassment. And then we find out that the, le- that the, the new lease for Camden Yards, the hold up with that, is that $600 million isn't enough, apparently. Now he, John Angelus wants another $300 million. And he wants public land to build on. And he wants Ravens parking lots to build on. To make money off of them. Give me So basically what he's saying is, to the Maryland Stadium Authority, give me $900 million. The Ravens also got the $600 million. They spent $480 million of the $600. He wants $900 million. Yeah. Well, in the same six-month period, he's also said that Orioles winning is third. To him, that number one on his priority list is getting entertainment and concerts to Camden Yards. I'm not trying to go off on this, stand on a soapbox here and talk about how much I loathe this man. But for the sake of the organization, this is embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. And we have to sit here and with nothing to do about it. I have confidence that a lease is going to get signed because it has to. Yes. It runs out yeah. of December 31st. The Orioles aren't moving. Major League Baseball is not going to do that, especially when they know that the, that the state is willing to give them $600 million yeah. to, for renovations. The Orioles aren't moving. So a lease has to get signed. But it's going to... He's not getting three hundred, another $300 million. That's not going to no. happen. But I have no idea. What's, all I know is that... The Orioles this week have lost three or four. They've lost two games that they should have won. Or, I'm sorry, one game. They should have won that first game. Yes, so undoubtedly, they, yes. They should be yeah. two and two in the last four games, not not one and three. And you can't convince me that this, that this distraction on the outside 
isn't a bit of a distraction for the players on the field because as you, all the good fortune they've brought to this city, the, eye, the eyes of Major League Baseball have been on the Orioles for all the right reasons, and now they're right back on the team again for all the wrong reasons. Well, Stan said this a few weeks ago. Not a few weeks ago. It was probably a few months ago now. That <clears throat> he thought the Orioles need a team president, a guy who can speak to the media, a guy who has a lot of experience in being just a really good PR guy. And I think we're seeing that more and more right now than ever. Mm-hmm. Michael Elias is not that guy. It's not his job. No. The GM of a team is the head of the player personnel department, more or less, the baseball operations department. It's his job to sign players, trade players, whatever. It's not his job to speak to the media and tell them what the lease is doing or any of that. It's not Michael Elias' job. It's not John Angelus's job either because most teams have a team president that does this job for them. That is their PR guy that knows what to say and doesn't put their foot in their mouth constantly. Not yet. Not to mention the fact that, like you just said, John Angelos consistently puts his foot in his mouth. But right, right. The, the, the owner is not the... <laughs> more or less, I'm going to call John Angelos the head of PR right now for the Orioles because that's what he's being. That's what he's trying to be. And the Orioles need a guy who can speak for them and talk about what they're doing with Wes Moore and the lease and all of that. It, it shouldn't be John Angelos because every time he talks, frankly, recently, it's been a disaster. Yep. It's put the Orioles in a horrible light across the country. And, you know, it, it puts Baltimore in a bad light, too, because he represents a lot of the city and he works very closely with the city government, the state government, all that. It's hugely a problem right now. It is it is a massive problem with the Orioles. And frankly, they, they just need to hire someone who can be a better PR guy than John Angelos. That's one. And two, when we're talking about this $300 million investment... I want an extra 300 bucks. I want a PlayStation 5. I think they give him 300 bucks. But $300 million he wants to develop all these parking lots into Camden something. Camden Camden Crossing. Camden Crossing, that's what it is. Is probably one of the most unrealistic things I've heard in a long time. Mm -hmm. Because you have a highway system that legitimately runs over and through a lot of these parking lots. Where are you going to have people park if you develop an entire, I don't know, city in between these two ballparks? And then you're looking for money that's simply not going to be there. The state's not going to give you that. And the Ravens are also required to have 4,000 surface-level parking spaces for fans to tailgate. It's in their agreement. Exactly. And there's not going to be much of that if you build an entire city, more or less, in between these two stadiums. Mm. It's unrealistic and ridiculous. You're going to take away, basically, all the parking you have. It just makes no sense. Yeah. And I'm sure it would be an okay thing. But I, I, I don't really know how that's even possible. Well, they they, build, they would probably build parking garages. Uh, Where? On, on, on maybe these... Um, well, you want them to be street level? I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not, I, 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 I'm not a city planner. I have I mean, no there, clue. There is no room within, you know, five miles of Camden Yards yeah. to put something like that. I, I don't know. It just makes no and sense maybe, to me. Maybe he wants an extra $300 million because they would have to completely redo the highway system. Right. I mean, you you, you would have to, I would think. I mean, yeah. there's literal bridges mm. and roads that run through those and over those parking lots. You can't mm-hmm. really do anything about that. Yeah. And then you're going to have to build roads that go throughout this Camden Crossing or whatever it is. And I, I'm not sure exactly into the specifics of what he wants to put there. I'm assuming shops, restaurants, that kind of thing. Make mm-hmm. it kind of a inner harbor Thing, you want to make it a, a, year, a year-round entertainment right, I guess, venue. Yeah. And it, it goes with the top golf that's there, the Horseshoe Casino yeah. that's right nearby. And he wants to make that area more of a, a tourist attraction. I get that. That's fine, but it doesn't make sense. And the state's not going to give you $300 million more, so just sign the lease. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. my message here. Yeah, the, the, the state put up $1.2 billion. Right. And you have the audacity to be like, that's not enough. And is any of that fair to the Ravens? 
Is any, no, no. Is well, any uh, the, the Ravens already signed their agreement. Right. The Orioles don't get their money until they sign their lease agreement. And they're not going to give you something that's a better deal than what the Ravens got. Right. The deals have to be equal. So you're not going to get $300 million. And yeah. it's, it's, it's not plausible, frankly. It, it isn't. I just got a text message from my mother. Okay. God bless her soul. She listens to <laughs> just about every show. Did you get criticized? This No, this she said there are tunnels under the parking lots. If you build tiered parking garages, it will be too much weight and collapse the tunnels. That's my understanding. So, so you there can't, you go. You can't even do that. Yeah. You can't even, my mom's a very smart woman, so I believe her. There you go. Um, yeah, the, the, the whole thing, like I said, I'm not a city planner. I don't know what would go into this. Yeah. I heard somebody talking about the, where the um, old Holiday Inn used to be is an entire yeah. row of stuff that's, that's just not in use. Maybe they could spend money there. I don't know. Maybe. I, I always thought that it was a good idea, but an implausible idea to have something down Ravens Walk between the yeah. two stadiums. That, I, that would make sense. It makes sense, but wh- where are people going to park? Right. The, it's already that you have to pay to park between the two stadiums. Right. And a lot of times, if you get down to the ballpark a little later than 30 minutes before the game, you have to drive all the way to the other side of Ravens Stadium and walk, right. you know, half, basically a mile right. to get to, to Ravens Stadium. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like I said, not a city planner. There are people who are paid to do this, and they'll figure it well, out. Well, I would think even if you take that Holiday Inn or whatever it is and, and that whole area over there, I think it's next to Pickles, right, mm-hmm. on the, kind of that left side of Pickles. If you were to develop all of that, it would cost way more than $300 million, yeah. I would have to imagine. Like, that would be insanely expensive to get rid of everything there and then build up. That mm-hmm. would make an incredible amount of time and money yeah. is, what, is what I would think. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. know. Again, there there are smarter and better paid people than I that uh, that are doing that. The, the, I mean, I'm not a city out. planner either, so. But something's got to get going to get done because it's got to get done. In the meantime, he's not getting another 300 million. That's that's not going to happen. It just isn't. Um, they'll figure it out. I'm just I would. My biggest issue with with this entire thing is that it took the the eyes off of how good this team is, right? And put it on. The bad parts of this team, which we've spent the majority of the last forty years seeing, and it's yeah. not—it's not fair to the fans. It's not fair to the city of Baltimore. It's not fair to the players on the field who have been playing their tails off all year to have the best record in the American League to have this distraction right now. And then they—they yep. they, they go out last night, and Kyle Gibson, Kyle Gibson was maybe the worst I've ever seen him yeah, last bad. night. He was so freaking bad. Last night, the first three balls, the first three batters that he faced had an exit velocity of 107 or more. <laughs> yeah. The fly out that we're Cedric Bones, welcome back, said he makes an incredible catch on to start the game. 107. The base hit um, off the bat of, of um, who was it, Suarez? Eugenio Suarez? I think so, yeah. 107. Yeah. Hits the ball hard always. But yeah. That's yeah. kind of his thing. Then the Cal Raleigh home run. 113. Yeah. Just getting... 2-0. Destroyed. 2-0. Then uh, he walks a batter, and then with one out, he gets a a ground ball for a double play that was the ground ball, 100 miles an hour off the bat. It was bad from the beginning. Gibson managed to pitch into the sixth inning because basically Brandon Hyde said, look, take a bullet for the team. Five and the third innings pitched, 12 hits, nine runs allowed. ERA now 489. 
for the Orioles. 12 hits, 9 runs allowed. Yep. On the reverse side of things, Luis Castillo, seven innings, 6 innings pitched, 2 hits, 1 earned run. In my notes, I put uh, Orioles, Mariners, Gibson, terrible. Castillo, better than Gibson. Mullins, <laughs> a lot better. Mullins, hitless but a nice catch that didn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Highlights, Santander home run, lowlights, everything else. I, again, when you have four hits and score two runs, it doesn't really matter how well you pitch in most And scenarios. two of those hits came in the ninth inning. Right, so it doesn't really matter how well you pitch if you can't score. Yeah, that's I mean, and that, that's and that, another and, ad. And, and that's an excellent point. Now, we're talking about how how much does the outside distractions take away from the team's focus? How much does your team being down 7-1 to in the fourth take away from your batter's focus? Well, I, I would look at, look at the Washington Redskins and now Commanders and the Snyder ownership mm-hmm. and how much that distracted from everything else that went on in Washington. The Orioles can't have that. They can't have ownership be the distraction. Yeah. And that was for other reasons, and, and frankly, worse reasons. I mean, there was allegations that go far beyond anything that we have here in Baltimore right now, and hopefully it stays that way. But that was a distraction for the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years yeah. that Dan Snyder was. Since 99. And now he's gone. He had to be voted out by the other owners, and now he is. And now the light and the the spotlight can actually be on the team itself and not the ownership and and to that point people are like base uh, my best friend texted me he's like baseball has to has to has to force angelos out how i don't think that's gonna happen they're they're not gonna force him out because he suspended a broadcaster I mean, the allegations against Dan Snyder what got him for- forced out. So he was doing illegal things. Yeah, <laughs> so the, the, it's a little bit different. The the things that John Angelos have to be doing will be, have to be a illegal and b right. detrimental right. to the to the league. That's as far as I know, that's not happening. Correct. He's not going to be forced out. You're kind of stuck with him until he decides he wants to sell the team. Right. So you know, maybe they expand to Nashville and he gets an opportunity to potentially buy that team if he sells the yeah. Orioles. And maybe that's what we'll get. But that's not for me to say, not for me to speak on, because it's all hyperbole, all speculation, um, not a real thing. At do you, this do you agree they need a team president? A guy that can just oh, speak for them? Yeah. Absolutely. They need a Dick Cass. Like, you, exactly. Like a guy yeah. who just is the business operations head who, and they probably already have one of those, but is a has the title of team president and actually gets to speak to the media and gets to talk about things like maybe, this. I, maybe that's Greg Bader. I guess it's Greg Bader, but we don't really hear from... I mean, when's the last time you heard Greg yeah, Bader nobody, speak to the media? The people that we see know. talking to the media is... Until this year, John Angelos had done it one time in five years. Now he's done it like yep. four times in the last six months, and it's been awful. Right. Um, but it's usually Michael Elias speaking to the media. Yeah. Or Brandon Hyde. And again, it's not Michael Elias' job to speak it's to the lease. Or yeah. Camden Crossing, if that's the name of it, or anything. Yeah. It's not his job. Yeah. Uh, Cedric Mullins comes back. Uh, again, he went hitless last night, but made that stellar catch in center field. Now, look, when he came back last time, it took him a couple weeks to get going. You know, and you look at you look at how bad Kowser has been, how bad Hayes and Santander have been since the All Star break. Mullins coming back, you know, he's going to be rusty. Maybe these guys all get hot at the same time and really lead an offensive uh, offensive charge for this team right now. They're not playing good baseball. They've lost three of four. Sure, you can say, well, they've won seven of ten. Yeah, but they've lost three of four uh, in terrible fashion. Um, yeah, I, I the, think I think seven. I'm telling you this before the show. I think seven of ten is not a very good and accurate display of how this team has been playing. 
over yeah. the past five games. It's just not. They, you said they were seven of eight. Yeah, and they then, won seven of eight and twenty, and they were twenty-one and seven since right. the All Star break, going into the Astros series. So, and now they've lost three of four it, uh, again in terrible fashion. Um, the bullpen, Fujinami, you can't trust him. It, 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 he's got to come in with a clean inning, and the la- but the last time he came with a clean inning, he got two outs and he walked seven, eight, nine, and that and that's what ended up leading to a couple of runs being scored in that middle game of the Astros series and put the game out of reach for the Orioles. Right, Danny Coulomb is on the 15-day IL. He thinks he's going to be ready to go when when the t- when he's eligible to come off. Everybody thinks that when they go on the IL. Everybody says, I think I'll be good to go. And then three weeks later, they're still on the IL. This legitimately could be one of the biggest injury- injuries of the year. Yeah. It, it really it, could it be. It absolutely could be. And, and now, you know, Bautista... There's some chinks in that armor now. He's, he gave up five runs in two outings, yeah. blew one of blew a save against the Astros. Do you almost think blew another one. Do you think it's because he almost threw what he throw forty pitches against the Astros not that long ago? Do you think that could have any effect on what's happening right now? I don't know. I, I didn't like the fact that he got basically six days off. He uh, he he basically got six days in a row off. I get giving him two or three days, but he's got a pitch. The guy's got a pitch, and you're not doing him any favors completely resting him for six days. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but you have Fuji, who you can't really trust. Coulomb's hurt. You know, Cano has been... Cano, in his last five outings where he has ha- inherited a runner, he's allowed at least one run- inherited runner to score. Right. The ERA still looks dazzling, but he's allowing inherited run- runners to score at a high clip. No right doubt. Now, the entire team is, really... You know, how much are we looking to D.L. Hall, John Means, and Tyler Wells to help save this bullpen? And and you know you got Cole Ir- Irvin starting tonight to give to... Like, they're crawling to the finish line right now. They, they are. They There's, are. Their starting pitching is just running out of gas. Yeah. Although Dean Kramer is quite good. His He's last been really time. good, yeah. Um, and Jack Flaherty was good again. And Jack, Jack Flaherty was good again. Grayson was good again. Yep. But you need more than... You know, three pitchers to be oh, good. Yeah, of course. You know, and, and they had to push. Bradish, who's been arguably the best starting pitcher all year, he's being pushed back to tomorrow to get that extra day's rest. Yep. And you have Cole Irvin starting tonight. And I right. get it. He's got experience against the Mariners because he pitched in the AL West. Yep. But it's Cole Irvin. Right. You know? He hasn't really given you anything. You don't have. I mean, he's been okay out of the bullpen. He's been okay. Right. Every, but not every as time, a starter. Every That's time you watch him come out of the bullpen. He looks really good for like two batters, and the next thing you know, he's giving up a run. He gives up a lot of hard hit balls. Yeah. A lot of hard hit. He doesn't throw hard. Right. He doesn't throw very hard, so it, it gets 100 mile an hour EVs on the daily for him. It's it, it's too often. I, I hate the fact that he's starting tonight because I worry that it's just a game you're kind of throwing away. I oh, really I, worry about that. I'm interested to see the lineup. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah. Sure. Uh, um, you know, at least, I mean, McKenna's been sent, been sent back down. Um, but I'm interested to see the lineup because, uh, you know, McCann's been actually hitting pretty well. But he has, I, yeah. But I'm afraid you're going to end up seeing like a, a McCann, Frazier, Arias, Mateo situation. Yeah. You know, with Gunner DHing or something. Or I, I don't, I don't know. They, they probably can't put all those guys in the lineup at the same time. And the lineup has actually been pretty consistent um, throughout. I don't know. The whole thing just it makes me nervous. I'd rather have an opportunity. I'd rather they win tonight and have an opportunity to still win a series tomorrow. I hate playing Safeco. There's nothing really to back it up because I think I tried to prove this earlier this year, like to myself, 
and the Orioles have actually played pretty well against the Mariners over the last few years, except for last year. Yeah. Something about going to Safeco, though, I just feel like they always play poorly there. Except for, and then somebody put a picture of John Means up. It's like, yeah, John Means threw a no hitter in May yeah. of a 110 loss season <laughs> yeah. out in Safeco. No. You really proved me wrong, buddy. By the way, it's now T-Mobile Park, but I think we can both agree. Let's call it Safeco. Oh yeah, it's, it's a better name. Safeco. So, it's it's, a, it's a far better name. We gotta get Stan the fan on the line. While Zach does that, I want to remind you today's show is brought to you by Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from ten to noon at YouTube.com/slash Pressbox Online or Facebook.com/slash Pressbox Sports, or you can listen at Pressboxonline.com/slash Radio with podcasts of available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Maryland football coach Mike Loxley and the 1983 Orioles pitching hero, hero, hero Storm Davis. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Back for his weekly segment, he is Stan the Fan. Charles Stan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. Off and running here on the show today. And Stan, we were just talking about the Orioles and uh, kind of their their bullpen and how it's kind of you know you're seeing some chinks in the armor with with Felix Bautista. Uh, Cano has been allowing inherited runners to score at a high clip the last um, several outings. Coulomb is on the IL. Uh, it's looking like the and Fuji, you can't trust uh, Fujinami right now, in my opinion. So, Stan, you're looking at DL Hall, who's been pitching pretty well down in the minors. John Means had a nice outing, uh, his first outing since April of 2022, and um, Tyler Wells has been pitching pitched okay, in my opinion, recently. Are these guys enough to revamp where, that where bullpen? Where's he pitching at now? He right pitched. Now. He pitched for Bowie. He had a start uh, the other day. He went three in the third innings. He gave. He allowed two hits, one run. Um, the run came on a, on another home run. Um, okay. Yeah, but but aside from that, he aside from the home run, he was good. Otherwise, two strikeouts, one walk. Uh-huh. Um, are these guys enough, in your opinion, to help this Orioles bullpen kind of catch its breath and make a strong push here for the last month and a half to two months of the season? Well, you know, you mentioned the, the key guy in this bullpen. I mean, look, Felix Bautista, is a, is a, in my opinion, could be a candidate for an MVP almost. You know, I, I hear him mentioned as a Cy Young candidate. I don't see him as a Cy Young winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the guy who's really been really depressingly bad has been Cano. Um, I mean, he was the guy that really set this bullpen apart the first couple months of the season. He came, frankly, he came out of nowhere, but he, he I, I can't remember the last time he's come in and retired the first hitter that he's faced. Right. Uh, he's really, really struggled right now, um, and I don't know what to make of, of what we're going to get from him. Bautista, any closer, you're going to have a couple bumps along the road, you know, that was an incredible at bat by an incredible hitter, uh, Kyle Tucker, uh, or we wouldn't really be talking about him. That's know? true. That's true. Yeah. Um, and, the, key, the key to the inning, though, is the freaking leadoff walk to uh, John Singleton. You know. Yeah. I you, mean, yeah. 
you, you can't walk the eight hitter. And then the next night, Fujinami walked this with two outs, walked the seven, eight, and nine hitters to get to to get to Altuve, who then got a two-run single off of Bauman, and then Bregman with another two-run single off of Bauman to put that game. I, I out had of a reach. real I had a real problem with that sequence with Fujinami in there when when he walks. He walks two guys in a row the way he did, and I know they were they were close at bats until it was three three to three and two. Uh, he missed badly on both ball fours. I don't understand the and I asked Brandon this, and I I wished I hadn't been kind of dismissed, but he just sort of said I'm trying to get him through the inning. I asked him. I said, "What's the difference there? Why you take Fujinami out after three walks?" And you don't take him out after two walks. I mean, the the issue is, and then he he makes these dramatic appeals. I, I really got to hand it to Mike Bauman, uh, third straight night. You know, he was up the other night. He pitched last night, and he's up. Why would you want Bauman to come in and pitch to Altuve with the bases loaded? Right. As Mike Bauman, somebody that, and I get he's in he's in Brandon's circle of trust. And I think he's overall, he's had a very positive season. But is he really somebody you want to put in a game? You've got that much confidence in him that you you don't want him facing Maldonado. You want him facing Altuve. Because it was pretty clear, that especially when he got it behind the 9-hitter 2-0, that he was going to walk that guy. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't understand leaving him in there uh, again. Uh, you know, the game hinged on a lot of things that night, but uh, that was really a bad look to me. Yeah, after and, what... I, and I'm not, I'm not where you are, Paul. With like, you can't trust Fujinami at all. But when he comes in, he's either one, two, three, bing, 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 or if he starts having trouble, you can almost count on there being more trouble. Yeah, you know, it, it, it kind of snowballs when when he gets into trouble. Yep, it takes a while for him to, to get out of trouble. Um, and yeah. right now you're in a situation where you, you can't afford to do that. Down, You can't afford yeah. to you know tinker and work with a guy when you're trying to make make the playoffs and trying to win a division and get a get you know a bye to the division mm-hmm. series. You know it's yeah. it's the bullpen needs some help. It needs some help. DL Hall has looked fairly impressive since coming back to game action. Um, is he one of those guys who you think is going to be able to come up here sooner rather than later and help this ball club win some games down the stretch? Well, you know, you've interviewed interviewed me for the last couple of years. What have I been steadfastly saying about D.L. Hall? He's a relief pitcher. Yeah. He's got the chance to be a very dominant pitcher. I don't think he's at the point where he's got the same issues exactly that Fujinami has with control. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's a little bit like a Mitch Williams a little bit. But the one thing we know is they're they're not putting the ball out of the ballpark against him. You know, yeah, yeah, he's and very tough there. And the control, the control has looked a lot better since he since he started playing in the in the uh, Florida Complex League and then came back up to AAA. The controls looked a lot yeah. better, um, which is nice to see. High strikeout rate, low walk rate is what you're hoping for from DL Hall. And, he, and Stan, even I at this point can admit that maybe it's time for DL Hall to become a full time reliever. I was the last guy standing on that post for him to be a starter, but I think the writing's on the wall. Well, you and you and Connolly. Sure had him, you know. But look, you know when you t- when you when you're in this realm where you're giving opinions, look how I look right now. I've been steadfastly bashing Ryan Mountcastle all year, you mm-hmm. know. 
and uh, you know, I've 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 reserved my judgment on Ryan Mountcastle all along. I just have had reservations about him. I now wonder if this year, if somehow he didn't he didn't play try to play through some level of vertigo, right? Because this this hitter is so different the one we're seeing in the last two and a half weeks is so different than what we saw the previous month before he got you know uh, sent down to uh, um, Norfolk mm-hmm. you know it's just a, it's been an amazing revelation I, I love being wrong when I predict you know or, or I'm very negative about an Oriole player it's not like I go ah he's showing me up I mean uh, show me up all the time you know where our lineup is much more powerful when Ryan Mountcastle is performing like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he looks like that hitter that won a triple-A MVP I mean, and hit 32 I mean, runs walked, as a rookie. He walked twice. He walked twice last night. Mm-hmm. He's been doing that a lot more, yeah. too. He's been on base 18 yeah. straight games, which is a new career high for him. Yeah. He, uh, I yeah. believe the hitting streak ended last night. Um, but he had a 12-game yep. hitting streak going into that game last night. He's looked like a completely different player. I think there's something to it, Stan, where the uh, uh, maybe he was playing with some modicum of, of uh, vertigo all year. Zach? Yeah, and Stan, how do you think that affects Ryan O'Hearn's future with this team? Is is he an automatic for next year, or does he have to earn his spot in spring training, or does it kind of matter what happens down the stretch here? I, th- I think, um, you know, Ryan, it's not as if Ryan has cascaded downward uh, while Mountcastle is up. The, the one thing that Ryan O'Hearn has going for him is he doesn't make a lot of money. So, yeah. um, you, you you know, when you start having to pay what you're going to have to pay Mullins and Santander and Hayes and Mountcastle next year if he's on the team, I still have my doubts about whether Mountcastle is on the team next year. I think that, that like me, the best thing for Mountcastle for both the Orioles this season and long range, uh, as as his value has has gone back up over these last three weeks, you you've got a very attractive uh, trade chip in a in a deal, you know. And remember again, part of the reason you you want to have a farm system as strong as the Orioles is to be able to move on from people when they start making serious money. You know, it's one of the ways a market like Baltimore can sort of survive and thrive is by constantly having turn on the spigot. Another prospect is coming up. So I I would actually say that I have a feeling that O'Hearn has a better chance of being on this roster next year than Mountcastle does. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how the cards fall. They both yeah. have, have served themselves well and made an argument to be here yeah. next year and into the future. Um, yeah. Now, Stan, the, the game last night um, didn't look good from the start. The first three batters that Kyle Gibson faced all had an exit velocity of 107 or more. Gibson ends up mm-hmm. going five. He takes a bolt for the team, goes five in the third innings last night, 12 hits, nine earned runs, three home runs in the outing. Maybe the worst that he's looked all season for the Orioles, maybe one of the worst games the Orioles have played overall. What did you see from Gibson last night? What did you see from the effort from the team? I mean, they were they were basically done from the start. Uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a pretty look last night. There's no question about it, and it sort of all started with uh, you know with Gibson's performance last night, but it, it just wasn't good. It wasn't good. 
Now, Cedric Mullins comes back. He makes that nice catch for the first out in the first inning. Doesn't uh, come away with any hits. He kind of got off to a slow start uh, last time he went on the IL before really turning it on after a week or two. Uh, how much of a different, how big of a difference does Cedric Mullins make for this team? Do you anticipate him getting any DH days to keep the legs fresh as they move towards October? Yeah, I would. Uh, I would. I would look to see him having a, a couple days uh, at DH. You know. Uh, you know, what scares me about this injury that he's got is how he, you know, supposedly rehabbed, they had it under control. And you remember when he first came back from the IL, he didn't hit for about 10 days. All of a sudden, his, his numbers were cascading downward. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he had three or four really good games again before re-injuring himself. Right. So whenever you have a guy re-injure, uh, himself in the same neck of the woods. I don't know if it was exactly the same thing. You just sort of, you're holding your breath a little bit about whether he's going to be able to get through this, you know, without re-injuring it again. Yeah, and with the game that he plays where he use, utilizes that speed in the outfield, he use, utilizes that speed on the base pass. You saw his first at bat. He tried to bump for a base hit last night. It's going to be hard for him to not go full bore when that's a huge part of his game. And these inju- injuries that we're talking about, you're talking about a groin injury, you're talking about a quad injury, which probably stemmed from that that original uh, groin mm-hmm. injury. Uh, how is he going to be able to play without re uh, re injuring or maybe, maybe not re injuring but I, what's the word I'm looking for here where he's he's without re aggravating it um, how is he going to be able to play his game and not worry about that well that's that's where professional athletes hopefully can separate themselves from you know the weekend warriors is that they 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 understand intuitively that that's part of the game is going to be coming back from injuries from time to time and they they. I would like to think that they are able to compartmentalize it and put it aside, just be aware of how they're feeling and communicate with the manager if there's a problem and the training staff. But we don't know that there'll be a problem. We're just, you know, it's a, it was a unique injury. That's not one you hear about all the time, you know. Yeah, it, so, exactly. And when you get these soft tissue injuries, it makes you nervous when when that's part of the the person's the main one of the main part of the player's game is utilizing their speed and their legs. So um, we'll be w- <laughs> watching him with bated breath for sure. Now, Stan, before we yeah. close things out today, I don't like to sp- I don't want to spend too much time on this just because we spent so much time on it all week. Zach and I discussed it at length in the beginning, and we have another segment coming up. But I do want to ask your opinion. Um, one of the Orioles' best seasons in the last 40 years. There's been some off-the-field drama with the Kevin Brown quote-unquote suspension, um, which has left a little bit of a, of a black eye on the organization, at least outwardly. We saw back in 2005 how well the Orioles started the season. At one point, they were 14 games above 500, And then the Rafael Palmero um, steroid allegations, came, or the positive test, not allegations, steroid positive test came out. And the Orioles fell off a cliff, and it seemed like there there was a dis- the distraction from that took away from the product on the field. This team had won seven of eight and twenty one of twenty eight since the All Star break before Ke- the Kevin Brown situation. Now they've lost three of four. Do you worry that some of this could be a uh, because of the distraction of what we uh, learned about over the weekend and on Monday? Is that something that could be taking away from the on field product? 
Well, first of all, Kevin Brown was, whether you want to call it a suspension or a timeout, it, it lasted about 10 or 12 days. Right. So you'd have to include why would you just say they lost three out of four since the Kevin Brown thing. You can't even really include last night because he was announcing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think the announcer has any impact on the play on the field. And I don't really mind talking about Kevin Brown, but Kevin Brown talked about Kevin Brown. Yeah. And he says his relationship is strong with the club. I, I do truly believe he loves working here. This is one of the most interesting teams in all of baseball. You know, Gary Cohn, and God bless all his friends in the broadcast industry that wanted to make this thing sound like it was uh, Russia or something like that, where you, you imprison your, uh, you know, your political opponents or something like that. But that's that's not what was going on here. There was something going on. I don't think we'll know the whole story, and I think it's probably pretty smart for the Orioles and Kevin Brown to have just try, tried to turn the page, and I think they strategized that. And I don't think Kevin would have gone along with that and just mouth those words uh, had had he not really believed that. So I'm I'm believing him that he's cool with the Orioles, he's cool with John Angelos, and that he has a great relationship with the team. I don't think it's impacted the Orioles the last four days. Well, and the Orioles can put a put, can silence that that those um that trepidation simply by going out and winning the ball game tonight. And if they go out and they put a win together and somehow win, find a way to win this series against a hot Seattle team, it'll go a long mm-hmm. way towards kind of silencing those critics. And then Stan, finally, uh, it came out in the Baltimore Banner the other day that in addition to the six hundred million dollars that's available to the Orioles, the ownership is also looking for an additional three hundred million uh, in excess funds plus uh, public land and Ravens parking lots to build on to me it doesn't seem like those demands i don't want to call them demands because that makes it sound like a stick up uh to me those uh-huh. it, it seems like those requests are unlikely to be met this deal needs to be done by december 31st or the lease is up there's no more extensions um do you anticipate uh, who, who, is, who has said there's no more extensions? Well, well this, this is what we've been led to believe i guess nobody's come out and may, I, may, i've I, never heard that uh, i've never heard that they've put a limit they put a an extension in place to give themselves some time to deal with it. This is a complicated negotiation. Sure. And uh, I, I just, uh, my trust is in the ball club is, is going to try and get, like in any negotiation, you try and get the maximum you can get because you don't really go back to the negotiating table all that often. So they're trying to do a reset here. Um, I, I'll admit, that I've I've missed by a mile on on what I saw going on here. I was given the impression that the area that they were trying to work on was that whole corridor down Utah Street mm-hmm. from the Hippodrome Theater down. I thought there was going to be some kind of huge public-private partnership. I don't think an additional three hundred million dollars gets gets what I envision off the ground. So. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and do my homework, maybe talk to somebody like Tom Kelso and Craig Thompson and, and re-educate myself to what really is going on here because it's not what I thought both sides were talking about or envisioning um, because I never saw the footprint being large enough at the Camden Yard site 
when you have another stadium right next door to it as right. another tenant there. I understand that that as important as the Ravens are to Baltimore and Baltimore's identity, the reality is that they play ten. They open their gates ten times a year. Okay, mm-hmm. the baseball team opens their gates eighty-one times a year. So I can understand where the baseball team is saying, "Well, that six hundred million isn't enough for us. That that may be fine for the Ravens, but we're we're the ones that can can really drive the economy a lot more." You that's know, a fair point. Um, yeah, I, and I think that that's stance they're taking. Now, Steve Bishotti's not going to stand for that for a minute, and that's the problem here. You have the parity in the leases where, you know, if the Orioles get $1, the Ravens get $1, right. and uh, they've got to work through some tricky uh, tricky negotiating. There's no question about it. Yeah, and But but I wouldn't I wouldn't put this deadline, like, if they, if they don't, if they, what do you think is going to happen next January 1st? All of a sudden, they're going to announce well, they're not going to be able to play at Camden Yard here. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Maybe they'll go you play know, uh, Dundalk go, Community College for the for the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, no. Yeah. So when I say when I say deadline, so they had a, a by February they needed to uh, to um, execute a five year lease extension. They opted not to do that. It also came out in that article right. that Angelus was hoping for a two year extension. The reason that they didn't do the five year extension is because they would have to extend it with the antiquated. Um, uh, why am I, why is my brain not working? They, they had to use the antiquated terms of the previous lease agreement and continue, extend that for an additional five years, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to do that. They wanted a more modernized lease agreement, right. which is why in right. December, yeah, they, they could probably do another extension, but it would have to be from the 92 terms, and I don't think they want to right. do that. So when I say deadline, I misspoke. I, I just meant simply that they want a new lease agreement, not the right. old one for an extended period. Yeah, look, I'm I'm excited about uh, the the future of the Orioles right now. Me too. So Me I'm too. not getting I'm not getting bogged down on the stadium lease. I think those things will take care of themselves. It's going to get figured out. They have no choice yeah. but to get it figured out, and I have confidence yeah. in that. You know, it's, it's just one of those things. It's what's out there, and it's what we got to talk about, right? So, yep. Stan, yep. what what do you yep. got coming up this week? Uh, Monday night, uh, it'll be just Ross and I. Seven o'clock, and we've got former Orioles center fielder John T. Bone Shelby. He's going to join us and talk a bit about what it was like to come back here and celebrate the 40th anniversary. And he also was part of another celebration earlier this year out in Los Angeles. You know, he was on that '88 team that Rick Dempsey was also on. So the two of them shared another World Series, and they they also. We're part of another uh, major feat in the history of baseball where Oral Hershiser set the uh, consecutive shutout innings pitch streak, took over from Don Drysdale, uh, and that's pretty exciting. So we'll talk to him about that and what he's up to right now and what he sees about these Orioles. Wednesday evening, Gary Stein and I will talk to John Kelly of Kelly Benefits, and uh, he is the chairperson for the Maryland Cycling Classic, which is coming up uh, Labor Day weekend. All right, Sam. Well, we look forward to that. We look forward to speaking with you next week. Hope you get a chance to sit down and enjoy the Ravens game tonight. We'll see you next week. All right. I won't know who I, I won't know who I'm watching, but I'll be watching. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon, guys. See you, Stan. Bye. 
And that was Stan the Fan Charles Beck for his weekly segment. Stan now has changed up the format of his weekly shows. Now, every Monday at 6 p.m., Stan will be joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Press Box's managing editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the birds. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein will chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, the guys caught up with former major pro sports executives Marty Conway and Andy Dolich for their regular sports business symposium. You can watch the shows live at Press Book. Well, you can watch the shows live at Facebook.com slash PressBox or find them the next day at PressBoxOnline.com slash video and YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. So join Stan and Ross and Luke this and every Monday night. And as Stan just alluded to, this Monday night they'll be joined by a special guest, 1983 Orioles World Series champion John Shelby. I guess you can't see this, but the guy who just walked through here, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that, he just started bolting through the parking lot, like just full speed running. I, I don't know maybe what just happened. Had, maybe he had a spicy breakfast burrito that's coming back this morning, that's coming back to him. He's still running like in the corner over there by the dumpsters. So, like, I don't know what's going Is on. Is he running like, like a glitch in a video game where he's just yeah, stuck in a corner it's like and it's just <laughs> running in place? Yeah, he's just running in place. It's like one of those awkward runs, though. It's like a, the, the Forrest Gump run. He just took off. Like, he, he walked down here and just took off. Forrest Gump? While you were doing the uh, the press book, P- press book sports, press book face bomb. <laughs> All right, we got to catch a break. When we come back in, we're gonna sound off with our August um, power rankings. My brain doesn't work today. It's not working. I don't it's know what working. the hell is going. I can't read. I can't speak. I can't think. I, man, cancel the show. Um, we'll be back on here in just a minute on the bat around. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two N's in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports. Sports and that promo code Glenn Clark 23. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. It's the return of Grateful Dead Night on Friday the 18th. A special t-shirt package is available. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday the 19th with our Batesoberfest. Get some beer specials while you enjoy the game. And get here early on Sunday for a pre-game Meet the Team autograph session. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. It's game on every day at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here, you're in on every play with 100-foot screens at Sports and Social, the best table games action, and FanDuel Sportsbook all just steps away. The best bar bites and drinks to indulge in steaks and curated cocktails. Your game day only gets better when matching up with Live's distinguished dining options. Late game? No problem. Our luxury hotel awaits. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be on game day and every day. For more information, visit www.maryland.livecasinohotel.com. At Arundel Mills, must be 21, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com. Maryland, be open. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Welcome back in to the Batter Round. Rolling right along here on a beautiful Saturday. I want to remind you today's show brought to you by your local Toyota d- dealers. Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, and you can choose a perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. And now it's time for Sounding Off with Zachary Allen Goodman. Zachary Allen Goodman. Wow. You zig, I zag. Or I zig, you zag. <sighs> Is bad. Shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Paul, you want to start us off? No, you want to oh, start yeah, us I, off. This is your second. Okay, that, that's fine. We're doing our power rankings for August, so I figured I'd just let you go first, but I will go first. At number five, I have, I, I guess, kind of just because the way they've played in this last month, they've been pretty good. The Houston Astros, I have at number five. They're climbing right up in the AL West behind the Rangers. They have, I believe they're only back by about two games right now. They're getting hot at the right time. And the Astros are hard to count out. Again, I do power rankings by what I think they're going to end up as. And if there's any team I think that can win the American League and go to the World Series, it's the Astros. Because of how well they've played over the past five or six years and done that what three four years now they've gone to the 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 world series and they've won two of them in 2017 2019 i believe is their second win so the astros have a lot of uh 2019 is not correct what what year did they win it 21 was was the the last astros they won last year was it last year okay so but there was a year between there was a year between that they won they won 2017 and they won last year. Okay, I was and thinking they've it was 2019 lo- for some reason. I, I, anyway, they lost three World Series in But they, right, they they've been there a lot, and I couldn't just remember what years they were, they've been there. But they're they're a team that you can never count out in October. So the Astros right now are number five for me. They're getting hot at the right time. For me, it's the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, the the Phillies. Yeah, they've won. They, I was gonna put them in. I I was like debating between Astros and Phillies, but they they've won seven of ten. The bullpen's really good. The offense is really good. Starting pitching's been good enough. Um, they've just been playing basically since Bryce Harper got back. They've been playing really, yeah, he's turned it on, really good baseball. 
Trey Turner's bat has really heated up. Nick Castellanos, I knew last year was was a fluke. I knew last year was a fluke. He's too good of a hitter to to put that that yeah. kind of a season together. Yeah. And he looks like Nick Cast. Is it Castellanos or Castellanos? Castellanos. Nick Nick Castellanos. Um, he, he's too good of a hitter to have done what he did last year again. And he's proving that this year. The, yeah. the, the Phillies are the real deal. And for me, they're at number five right now. They're managed very well, too. Mm-hmm. They ha- started off, I think, basically 500 through the first month. And they really turned it around. They're, they're, they're playing really good ball. They could easily win that division. But we'll, we'll see. The, the Braves are pretty good and going to be hard to top. Uh, and you'll see them on my, on my power rankings list later here. But at number four, I have the Orioles, which have dropped. They were at number two in my July power rankings list. Now they're at number four. I don't love the way they're playing over the last five mm-hmm. games, and I worry about the starting pitching. I worry about the relief pitching going down the stretch. I don't think they're going to have enough gas. They should have acquired another reliever at the deadline. They didn't, so I put the Orioles at number four because of that. For me, the Orioles are also at number four. I still believe in this team. Yeah. I don't think just getting Flaherty was enough. I don't consider Fujinami a deadline deal because it happened two weeks before ha- the right. deadline. Yeah. Right. I-, I don't consider that a deadline deal. They, they didn't acquire a- another reliever. CNL Perez has been really nice. Uh, you know, you take away the, his first game back after coming back from the IL, yeah. and he hasn't given up a run. He right. has been an earned run. He has been very, very good, looking like the CNL Perez of 2022. Uh, so I like that. But Danny Coulomb getting hurt. Um, the offense has been up and down, and everybody in the outfield is struggling right now. Yep. Um, you know, the starting pitching, you, you had to. Uh, what Kyle Gibson did last night, that pitcher should never pitch again. Right. What, what he right, did yeah. last night was it, it was basically going through the motions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Grayson Rodriguez has been really good. I like what Jack Flaherty's done. He struck out 16 batters in his first two starts combined. Yep. He's looked every bit the part that they that they uh, acquired him to fulfill. Yeah. Um, but you look at uh, Bradish having to be pushed back a, back a day to have Cole Irvin start in this place right. because they're monitoring. They're trying to keep these guys fresh. Tyler Wells had to be demoted because of how bad he's been since the All Star break. Dean Kramer, he's either really good or really bad. You're nervous for what this rotation is going to be able to do when you get to the playoffs. And, and keep in mind, Grayson Rodriguez is already at a career high for innings yep. in the season. Also, um, you look at that. You look at the offense kind of sputtering right now. You look at the bullpen kind of falling apart, and it's like. D.L. Hall, John Means, and, and maybe even Michael Givens, they can't get here soon enough. No. And and I mean, for, from a, it's weird that you talk about D.L. Hall and John Means from a relief standpoint. Right, but yeah, that's the definitely. role that they're probably going to fulfill. Um, or maybe John Means as an opener type of situation with Tyler Wells piggybacking with him. I, so, I think that's your most likely scenario. So, something actually. like that. Yeah. But these guys, they need help yeah. in their bullpen. Um, the good news is that these guys who are really struggling at the plate, they're likely to probably get hot at the same time, yeah. too. So, And if that happens, this team is four days removed from winning 7 of 8. They, they came out of the All-Star break and won 21 of 28. Yep. Even still, they're, they're, what, 22 and 10 yeah. since the All-Star break, which is really good, which is why they're still in my top five. But the way they've played the last four days, almost blew that game the other night, blew a save the first game against the Astros. They've... Got to start playing better baseball, and every team goes through a little bit of a, of a of a rough stretch. This one's been kind of, given the outside distractions, it's been an eye opener. So the Orioles coming at number four, number three, I have the Dodgers. They're nine and one in their last ten. They have now seven and a half games on the San Francisco Giants. They've won sixty nine games. They are looking to be the Dodgers, and they don't have as much talent as they've had in previous years. We know that. 
there, there's guys that have left and have gone on to have really good years. Cody Bellinger being one of them. They've had injuries. They haven't been as strong of a team on paper as they have been in the past 10 years. They just haven't. But they've played like it. I mean, they're now, at, um, again, almost 70 wins, seven and a half games up in that division, which is not a tough division based on what it is. I mean, we thought the Padres would be better. We thought the Giants would be better. They haven't been. But you look at the Dodgers, they've been pretty dominant. And again, you look at them from the Astros' perspective, where they won a World Series in 2020. They've been there multiple times since 2017. This is a team that you can count on down the stretch down in October. They're, good, they're getting hot at the right time once again here. And frankly, there's a lot of good young talent on the Dodgers that have really gotten hot lately. So I think that they're going to be extremely dangerous. They almost were at number one for me. You know, the, the top three here are like interchangeable for me. The Dodgers have been really, really good. Number three for me is the Houston Astros. Um, they're turning it on at the right time. I think they're going to catch Texas. I think they're going to win this division. I look at the Houston Astros. They have that pedigree. Texas, yeah, they spent all the money. They have all the talent. But they, this is a group that they're piecing together this season. The Astros have been there, done that. The Astros have that experience where they know what it takes to get to the postseason. And then once they, they get there, they know how to win. And so for me, the Astros are number three. They, they have an argument for number two or number one. Right, uh, they, they do. They the, do. Because of how well they're playing right now. I mean, the Orioles were, like we said, seven of eight. 21 and 7 since the All-Star break and the Astros took it to them like they were nothing to them. And it's just a microcosm for who the Houston Astros are. And you can talk about cheating all you want. It doesn't matter. They're better than you. They're better at baseball than your team, generally speaking. The Houston Astros for me are number 3 and it just goes to show how good the two teams ahead of them have been that they're not number 2 or number 1. Right. So at number 2, this was tough. I have the Rangers. They're again nine and one in their last ten. The Rangers have won nine of their last ten, which is just goes to show again how hot this team has gotten. Even with injuries, Jonah Heim went out. They replaced him with Austin Hedges, who throughout his career has been a fine defender, but nothing more. He's not a hitter. That's going to be a real area of struggle for them. I mean, Jonah Heim is one of their top contributors offensively. Um, not as good of a defensive catcher, but still a, a very very good player across the board. They lost him, but the the offense has been unbelievable. Marcus Semyon, he's been incredible. Nathaniel Lowe, Corey Seager still hitting 348 with a 407 OBP. There's so much to like. And then, of course, now you have Max Scherzer, who you got at the trade deadline. There's a lot to like for me with the Rangers. And I think they're going to be really dangerous. Max Scherzer brings that pedigree, uh, as, the, as does Corey Seager, as does Marcus Semyon. They have veterans on this team who are not just there to lead, they're there to produce, too. And I think that's why the Rangers are the second best team in baseball right now. The Rangers didn't make my top five. Really? They yeah. didn't make my, They're I, I nine and one in their yeah, last ten. Yeah, I mean, they've so, been playing yeah, great. So were the Dodgers. Yeah. So were the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I, I look at what the Phillies have done, and the Phillies have been there, done Phillies that. Phillies have been good. You know, the, the, the Orioles have the best record in the American League. The Astros are the Houston Astros. The Dodgers are nine and one in their last ten, and the every they're my number two team. Every player that they picked up at the deadline, Giolito, I mean, not Giolito, um, Lance Lynn, um, Joe Kelly, Kike Hernandez, they have all well exceeded their production yeah. from the prior teams going so far, to the Dodgers. Yeah. 
but that's what happens. Yeah, it's like when you see, it's like when you see guys go from like guys towards the end of their career they, they they're playing like crap. The Yankees acquire them, and then suddenly those guys hit two seventy with with twelve home runs the last two months of the season. It's like when Vernon Wells, who hadn't done anything in six years, went to the Yankees and somehow looked like an all star for a couple of months. It's the Dodgers. It's guys who are comfortable being on that team and being in the spotlight and being the guy. The Dodgers have won nine of ten. You know that they've they've came out like gangbusters after the All Star break. To me, the Dodgers are right. They're the Astros of the, of the National League. They're that team that is there every year. They've been there. They've done that. It's, the, everything I said about the Astros, say it about the Dodgers because it's the same damn thing. Exactly. Number, they're they're my number two team. They are the NL version of the Astros. And number yeah. one, I think we both have the same team. The Atlanta Braves yeah. are the number one team right now in baseball. And it's really too, it's, it's because of their offense. You look at up and down the lineup and there really isn't a weak spot. Eddie Rosario is maybe your only weak spot. He still has a 96 OPS plus, which is only 4% worse than the average major league hitter. But he still has a 747 OPS, and he's hit 16 home runs. That's not a huge weak spot. It's just a small one. But you have Matt Olson, 40 home runs. You have Ronald Acuna, who's probably going to win MVP in the National League. He's batting 337, the 420 on base percentage, 1,000 OPS. There's incredible numbers across the board offensively. And, you know, even though... Uh, Spencer Strider had you know, a few bad games as of late, and he's still pitching to a 394 ERA. And you have Bryce Elder at a 364, and Charlie Morton's got a 371 ERA, even at his age 39. What this team's been able to do and put together has been unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And that offense is going to be, you know, barring no injuries, impossible to stop down the stretch. I think the Braves are the best team in baseball. Oh, yeah. You you said it all for me. The, the rotation's good. The bullpen's good. The offense is good. They're the most complete team in baseball. They have the best record in baseball. Uh, they've got to be the—I believe they are the favorites to win the World Series uh, this yeah. season. I believe that—I think they have a 23, almost a 23% chance to win. If, they if, even had a little bit of a swoon there the last couple of weeks, and they're still the best team in baseball. Yeah. It, it's hard to argue against what the Braves have put together. And it's crazy, man. My entire lifetime that I remember. So we're talking like from 91 through now, they've had what, like four losing seasons and they were all in a row while they always were revamping. Yeah. They always win the East. They always manage to be the teams le- left standing over there. And they're going back to another World Series. You can't convince me that until they're, until there's another team celebrating on the field against the Braves, you can't convince me they're not going back to the World Series this year. They are the most complete team in I'm baseball. With you. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Astros are, again, getting hot at the right time. Dodgers getting hot at the right time. But the Braves have simply done it all season. They haven't really had a stretch where, and you mentioned a small one, but they haven't had a long, pronounced stretch where it's been really bad. And it's because, because of offense. And getting guys who are 39 years old, like Charlie Morton, to pitch one of the best years of their career. That's what they've done all year, and that's been it's been really effective for them. Matt Olson's been unbelievable. I mean, what else can you say about the Braves? Yeah, he's been absolutely incredible. Now, of course, now it's time for the payoff pitch around the league, and my notes document uh, decided that it doesn't want to respond right now. Um which means I can't read anything. Is Ryan on his way in, or he said he was going to be here at eleven o'clock? Okay. Um, I propped the door open for him. All right. uh, so whatever. Yeah, we'll, we'll just find out. We'll, what he, we'll when see. He gets here. He's not necessary for the payoff pitch around the league. But I'm waiting for my computer to stop being a butthole. I can to go me. first if you'd like. We well, can, I mean, we can talk about that, Saturday games. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, mm, why not? Well, eh, you know, uh, because it's not how it's done. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm re- I'm regenerating this thing right now. Let's go back to this, and it probably took any notes that I put in here since last night and got rid of them. Oh. 
it did not. All right, it's now time for the payoff pitch around the league. Kyle Gibson was absolutely terrible, and despite working deep counts, all the Orioles did was strike out. Owen Anthony Santander hit a home run. Mariners win. I put down a million to one, but it was nine to two. New York Yankees versus Miami Marlins. Aaron Judge and Anthony Volpe each home run, and Kyle Higashioka collected three hits as the Mariners took down them. Took it to the Marlins nine to four. Cleveland scored three runs in the top of the ninth to tie the game at eight. Only to watch Wander Franco lead off the bottom half with a walk off home run as the Rays held off the Guardians nine to eight. Bryson Stott, Trey Turner, and Nick Castellanos combined for four doubles, three home. Home runs and six RBIs as the Phillies crushed the Twins 13 to two. Ellie De La Cruz and Luke and Luke Miley hit a three-run homer. Oh, Ellie De La Cruz tripled and drove in three, and Luke Miley hit a three-run homer while Andrew Abbott struck out nine over five and two-thirds as the Reds outmatched the Pirates nine to two. Uh, Ildemaro Vargas homered and drove in four to lead the Nationals over the A's 8-2. Nico Horner and Cody Bellinger hit back-to-back homers in the first, and the Cubs never looked back, defeating the Blue Jays 6-2. Tristan Casas hit a four-thinning home run, three-run homer that proved to be the difference as the Red Sox tamed the Tigers 5-2. Charlie Morton walked seven but allowed zero runs over five innings, and Austin Riley homered off former Oriole Jimmy Yacobonis as the Braves shut out the spiraling Mets 7-0. Victor Caratini homered, and Devin Williams picked up his seventh win in relief, striking out the side in the spotless ninth as the Brewers picked up a 7-6 win over the White Sox in 10. John Singleton hit his first home run in eight years in the second, a three-run shot, and liked it so much he hit another one in the third, a two-run shot. Driving in five to pace the offense behind Justin Verlander's quality start as the Astros crushed the Angels 11-3. Salvador Perez had four hits and four RBIs to lead a Royals attack that scored four in the first and five in the second to win the Battle of Missouri over the Cardinals 12-8. Blake Snell struck out seven over six innings of two-run ball, and Xander Bogarts collected four hits, including his 12th home run, to lead the Padres over Arizona 7-2. Sorry. Um, The usual suspects, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, played their usual roles, driving in a combined three runs, and Lance Lynn struck out nine while allowing one earned run over five innings as the Dodgers took down the Rockies 6-1. And finally... Nate Lowe and Mitch Garver hit back-to-back homers in the sixth inning, and John Gray threw seven innings of shutout ball, striking out seven and allowing two hits as the Rangers took down the San Francisco Giants 2-1. to one. By the way, I had to look into John Singleton because he hadn't been in the league for a long time, as you mentioned, always struggled, came up with the Brewers again this year, hit 103 for the Brewers, and then now having a 375 season so far for the Astros. He's been unbelievable to start for them. So the Astros continue to find ways to make guys better than they probably Look are. Like, looks like that eighth inning walk that he got against Fuji when he was hitting 103 <laughs> turned things around for him. All right, uh, doubleheader for the Braves and the Mets today. It's a makeup of 429. 110 at City Field. Alan Willens goes against Denny Reyes, Braves, and Mets, as I mentioned. Um, and for whatever reason, this is pulled up in the Spanish version. I don't know why that happened, but that's what we got. The Cubs and the Blue Jays. Justin Steele, Chris Bassett, 307 at the Rogers Center. Tigers and Red Sox. Matt Manning, the righty, goes against Brian Bello, the fellow righty. Gavin Williams, the rookie. He'll go for the Guardians. Sean Armstrong, the former Oriole, will start, I'm assuming, in an opener role for the Rays. That's at 410 at Tropicana Field. To be determined for the Yankees, Sandy Alcantara goes for the Marlins. That's 410 in Miami. Pablo Lopez goes against Taiwan Walker. That's 6.05 in Philly. The Twins are in town. Luis Medina, Jake Irvin. The two righties go head-to-head. Athletics and Nationals, not a game you want to go watch. Just not a game you want to go watch. A's and Nationals, 7.05 in D.C. Brandon Williamson, Andre Jackson, the Reds and the Pirates, 7.15 at PNC. Steven Matz. 
lefty against Cole Raggins, the fellow lefty, 7-10 at Kauffman Stadium. The Cardinals are in Kansas City. Spencer Strider goes against Jose Quintana, the veteran Mets and Braves. That's at City Field, an individual matchup there. Tyler Anderson, JP France, Astros and Angels, 7-15 at Minute Maid Park. Brandon Woodruff goes for the Brewers, and the White Sox will start Jesse Schulten, 7-15 at Guaranteed Rate Field. Rich Hill, the very veteran lefty, very veteran lefty, goes for... And his 13th team goes for the Padres. Zach Allen goes for the D-backs. That's 8-10 at Chase Field. Andrew Heaney, another veteran against veteran Alex Cobb, goes for the Rangers. Cobb goes for the Giants. That's 9-05 at Oracle Park. Peter Lambert, Tony Gonsolin, that's the Rockies and the Dodgers, 9-10 at Dodger Stadium. And then finally, at 10, or 9-40, excuse me, Cole Irvin will make another start for the Orioles against George Kirby, the rookie from last year. Mariners and Orioles, 940. They're on the West Coast, so we'll have to wait a little bit longer for the Orioles tonight. They'll start playing as probably the Ravens game is, is going to start to wrap up tonight. So we'll get to see Did all the that. Did the Ravens kick off at 6 or 7? Seven. Seven. 7. So they'll probably go until about yeah. 10. Yeah. 10-ish. You're not wrong. Let's catch a break. Let's Give Ryan a chance to get in if he's coming. If he's not, sometimes that happens. Um, but well, <laughs> didn't let us know, but that's fine. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Um, so let's catch a break. When we come back in, we'll go through Orioles banter. That's next on the Bat Around. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn. I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. He is Gunnar Henderson. Thank you all so much. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. The great 
Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and listen live at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland, and DriveEasyMD.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource, home to EasyPass, pay-by-plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. DriveEasyMD.com will keep you moving. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two ends in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook sports and that promo code glenn clark 23 visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER here's what we're gonna do okay love ryan Love the guy. I just damaged my knee too. Like this is, I'm, this, I have to sit here with this, with these drawers right here, with these metal brackets that come off of them. These drawers or these draws, like your boxers. Drawers, drawers. <laughs> I got that Baltimore accent. I don't know what it is. Anyway, point point of the story is, I turn around to come back and face the mic, and I smacked my knee into this metal bracket. I think I might be seriously injured. I don't know. Anyway, it seems go, like go ahead. Yeah, I'm um, <laughs> love Ryan. Ryan uh, is a no call, no show today if he did that at yeah. the bar that he works at where that he was there till the wee hours last night he'd probably be let go so what we're gonna do <laughs> well, we're gonna fire ryan <laughs> is, is that, is that what gonna happen? is the door still propped open the door is still propped open go on prop that door okay let's do that zach's gonna go on prop that door um because it's one thing to not answer the phone when we call you sometimes you've just overslept when you're supposed to be in the studio and you know call no show for that I don't think he's. Yep, I just got a text from Ryan. He said, um, "Dude, I just woke up. My phone turned off at full battery, so missed my alarm. Really sorry." All right, Ryan. All right. It's not a no call, no show. It's a text, no show. Well, I guess we can close this door then. So, so. we can close the door. We were closing the, the the front door to make you feel how we felt where we're we waiting for you and you aren't you aren't coming through that door well, that's disappointing and now you're waiting for us to open the door that we're never gonna open <laughs> that was the plan that just a, right. a little payback or back pay you were, have you ever seen that movie the mask no, with, I, with, I, with jim I, carrey I most certainly have not you've never seen the mask with jim carrey no what year did this come out like 94 that's why <laughs> who cares it's jim carrey I mean, yeah, he's... he's You've fun. never watched a movie that... I, I've seen plenty of movies that came out, but Rocky. You've seen well, Rocky that yeah, came out like 1976. That's, that's like an all-time classic. I mean, everyone's seen that. So is The Mask. It's Jim <laughs> you, Carrey. You told me about Point Break and, and said that was a 12 out of 10 classic, and it was like not. It was just like a... Oh, you shut the hell up. It was like up. a solid like 6.7. It was definitely a classic. Definitely a classic. I, definitely I, I, a classic. I'm kind of losing trust in your movie opinions. I'm not going to lie. Look, look. I'm not going to sit here and tell you <laughs> that Point Break 
is a cinematic masterpiece. It's not Rocky. Okay. I mean, it's not. But it's a guy's movie. It's a guy's movie. It's a guy's movie, and most guys... Most guys. ...love that movie. I mean, I didn't dislike it. Like, I... I it is fun as hell. That movie just, is so superiorly fun. Maybe if I had watched it like, IMAX, it would have been better. I don't know. Well, they'd have to digitally remaster it to, 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 put, to put it in IMAX. Digitally remaster. That's how they... That, that, why mean, do you, that's how Star Wars now looks so much better than it did when it first came out, because it's been digitally remastered. That's what they call it. Anyway. That's, that's what the thing is. Point Break, not a cinematic masterpiece no. by any stretch, but it is a fun freaking movie. It's got the Sways. It's got uh, Keanu. It's got a... Who pre- I thought was in Star Wars. <laughs> it's got a pre-crazy, <laughs> pre-crazy uh, Gary Busey, like right before he went nuts. By the way, I remember... It's got John C. Riley. I remember why I thought... Keanu Reeves was in Star Wars. This occurred to me the other day when I was just sitting around. Because he looks like that guy that is in Star Wars. No, it's not that. So there was an SNL skit. Keanu Reeves hosted SNL probably like four, five years ago when one of the big Star Wars movies came out. Mm-hmm. And the, he did an SNL skit. And he played a stormtrooper. And he took off his mask and it was Keanu Reeves. That's why. That's why I thought Keanu Reeves. Well, so that's, I, I, have an, I have a reason. It wasn't just completely out of nowhere. That's funny. But anyway, it was an SNL skit. That's yeah. funny. That's, like, that's like, a, like a child type of thing. Where like you remember something from your childhood because you saw it <laughs> oh, as a yeah, child yeah. and you believed it, yeah, and yeah. then like later on in life you're like, oh, holy like, crap, I, that I, wasn't real. I just figured because I, I this was like five years ago, six years ago, I didn't really know who Keanu Reeves was, and I was like, oh, this guy must be in Star Wars. He's hosting SNL. He must be in Star Wars, but I don't know. Anyway, the things I'm that you mo- that you are sheltered from in, I, your, in, I, your, in your life. Uh, and I guess you're you're 22. I don't watch movies. I really don't. Like I, I rarely watch movies. Yeah. It's just weird to me that you know every word to every Bruce Springsteen song. You have no idea who Incubus is. You had no idea who Keanu Reeves was until four or five years ago. You have no idea that Point Break was a thing that existed in the world today. No, I'd never You've heard never of that. You've never seen one of Jim Carrey's most popular movies. I've seen a lot him. of Jim Carrey movies, but not Right, that but you, it, that was like the one that put him on the map, mm. that, that one. Or if you want to go way back to Once Bitten. Which once I, Bitten. Once Bitten. Where Jim Carrey plays a a, a high school I mean, boy and a four hundred year old vampire um, woman. All the all the Dumb and Dumber movies are Jim Carrey, right? That's all Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've seen those. I mean, I I, I know Jim Carrey. <laughs> I, I know. Him. I, I know. Him. Um, you good? I, I just I just lost tra- my my train of thought. All right. Ryan was offering to do a phone conversation, but we don't really have time for that now because Brent's coming up in ten minutes. So I'll respond to Ryan here in a moment or two. Um, but I do want to talk about, look, we, we were going to talk about um, John Angelos and the embarrassing stuff um, that's gone on with the Orioles over the last week that revolve around him. I think we said our piece. I know I said my piece. I, I, I've made it abundantly clear how I feel about the man, how I feel about the distraction, the black guy on the organization based on some stupid stuff. Can we talk about one more thing with it? Because yeah. there's one thing that happened that I brought up on my dad this morning, and I said the tweet that Kevin Brown put out last night was... And Michael Kay said it, I think on the Yes Network radio station, something like that. Mm -hmm. He said, it sounded like a hostage tweet where you're being held hostage by someone and you're forced to tweet something. And that's exactly what it felt like. It's it's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. All these statements that come out in situations like these, they're manufactured by the PR, Mm -hmm. by by Mm -hmm. PR from the organization. And which is, you knew that when you were reading it. Do I believe that Kevin Brown enjoys his time here? Yes. Do I believe that he loves what he does? Yes. Do I yeah. believe that he loves the fans of the or- of the Orioles and what's going on this season? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Do I believe that him saying what he said on the air on the 23rd of July is what got him suspended? No. No way. I, I no think, way. I think there's more to it. There has to be. Than that. There has to be. Um, I think that that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. I yes. think that maybe he had been... And this is what uh, Dan Conley alluded to, is that he had been spoken to about maybe making negative comments about the team in the past. Right. And then that was like the, the, the final straw, at which... it. Which is weird because it wasn't even a stroll. It was like a blow. It wasn't. It was, it was, like, it was like a breeze. It wasn't the, anything. Yeah, it was. It was nothing. Frankly, but, um, and I'm not saying that to defend John Angelos. I just don't think it was. That was. I don't think that that was an isolated incident that got him suspended. Yeah. I think it was the final minute incident with a bunch of. You know, how they say that a lot of small things can add up to sure. a really so, big thing. I think yeah. it was a lot of small things in the in the mind of ownership right. that added up to. We can't just have you going out here and saying right. negative stuff every time that you're on the air. But it wasn't negative. You know, I, and I think I look at it and I say, is it his job to carry water for the Orioles? Yes, no. he does work for them, but that's not his job. He should be impartial. He should be. Yeah. I mean, this guy is didn't he didn't grow up in Baltimore. He's not from here. He has no real allegiance to the Orioles. He mm-hmm. should be impartial. Except that they signed his paycheck. Except that they, yeah, well, of, of course. But well, but but so you know, and then he did the 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 radio. Um, the series on the radio against the Phillies, the the next series, simply because of the fact that, and I believe it was Melanie, but I don't want to speak out of turn, whoever was supposed to be doing that game was also not put on broadcast for not wearing Orioles apparel on the radio. Right. (laughs) On on the radio. On the radio. On the radio. Zach, you've got a face for radio. I mean, yeah, definitely. Huge face (laughs) for radio. it makes no sense. Yeah. It makes no sense. And, and the, the bottom line is, I mean, we've seen a statement released by the Orioles about the lease about six weeks ago yeah. where a statement was released and then a new statement was released that said the same thing, <laughs> only, it, it. only it added John Angelos' name yeah. to it. It comes down to a man who inherited a great deal of money, who didn't pass the bar exam, who hasn't really done much on his own, inherited a baseball club, who... Wants to not be in his father's shadow, right? And so he wants. So the way that he thinks he's going to do that is getting accolades and this, that, and the other, and you know, to, and and he's probably got a chip on his shoulder. So he's yeah. take, he's he's taking offense to things that he has no business taking offense to. Right. The best owner shut the hell up. Right. When's the last right. time you heard Steve Bashotti speak? I mean, he never speaks. Like, right. The, he's never in the media. He's never. You never hear about him, frankly, ever, and you shouldn't. And he's the probably one of the best owners in football. Yeah. You ownership is supposed to be masters of delegation. Yeah. yeah. You pay people to do the job that you've earned the right to not have to do. I think Jerry Jones, if you look at it, is a great example of an owner who tries to do way too much. Mm-hmm. He meddles in everything. He puts his team on his super yacht to draft players out in the, you know, in the Atlantic Ocean somewhere, wherever it is. It's ridiculous what Jerry Jones does, mm-hmm. and for John, I, I almost feel like a lot of what John Angelos does is trying to copy that, where it's just trying to take control. Yes, you can let Michael Elias do his work, and that's what he's always pledged to do, and I'll give him credit there, but he takes control of every business aspect of this organization. Mm-hmm. I guess as he should as owner, I mean, he wants to make money, as do the rest of us, but there's just a lot of missteps along the way in that. There's a lot of missteps along the way. I, and to me... The stuff that he's trying to do for the community, okay, that's cool. It's good, yeah. Like I, I like the idea of a Camden Crossing mm-hmm. or some kind of you know entertainment venue yeah. that can make Camden Yards, the whole Russell Street area, that can make that a year-round yeah. place to go. I, I like that. 
I don't like that you're asking for more than what you're entitled to. Right. I don't like that you've got this chip on your shoulder that everybody can see from a mile away. Mm-hmm. I don't like the Napoleon complex, the the I pausing lease negotiations until the guy that you wanted to be governor is elected governor, like yeah. I, I, so that maybe he can give you a better deal. I don't like that. You're operating like a child that had his ball taken, and that's what I don't like. You know, and maybe the results of all this is something that we do like, but the 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 process, the the what is it? The ends don't justify the means. Yeah. That's what I'm looking at. Yeah. The ends don't justify the means. And now you're taking a team that's been playing really great, inspired baseball all year. That right. despite this recent stretch of crap baseball this week, is still has the best record in the American League yeah. and a two game lead in one of the toughest divisions in baseball. Yeah. And you've taken that and you've tarnished it right. with embarrassing crap that had no business seeing the light of day because it should have never happened in the first place. Right. And, and so for me, that's what the, what the issue is. And I can't help but feel like it's a distraction for the team on the field. Now, like I said to Stan and you in Stan's segment, the Orioles can go a long way towards just squashing that right. by winning these next two games. But I have to see that... that, that that they that they're capable of that, and, and it sucks that I get accused of being negative about this team a lot, um, and I'm not negative. I look at the team and I look at what's happening with them. I look at the starting rotation and four fifths of the rotation approaching innings limits. Yep. I look at what happened with Tyler Wells. I look at what's going on with the bullpen. I look at the fact that Santander, uh, Hayes, and Kalzer aren't hitting right now, and they're yeah. supposed to be three main guys in your lineup. I look at that, and I say, this team is on a slide that looked in, that looks inevitable right, right now. Uh, they could come back and win eight games in a row again and make us all feel so much better about right. this. You know, and they have an opportunity to. They're facing lesser teams in San Diego and Oakland after this. They always seem to catch the Mariners at their hottest, which is just like, it's like the weirdest thing to me, that they're always catching the Mariners when they're the absolute hottest every season, it seems like. Um, but right now, it just seems like this team is weak. We- no, weekend. Weekend. Yeah. Weak yeah. is not the right terminology. They'll, they'll bounce back. They'll make the playoffs. They, they may win this division. But right now, this team looks weakened, and ownership has a, has a role in right. that. And that sucks. Yeah. It's like last year watching the Orioles have an opportunity to make the playoffs down the stretch. And... This isn't supposed to be a knock at Brandon High because I think he's done. I actually do think he's he's done a great job yep. this year, and I've been on record saying this on the air. Undoubtedly, I think he's done a great job this year. So much better than last year. Last year down the stretch, I felt like there were games that the Orioles lost because of his decisions. Yeah, that's what this feels like with regards to ownership. It feels yes. like the Orioles are losing games because of something that ownership has done. Undoubtedly, I just want John Angelos to stay behind the scenes and just stop. Hurting the ball club. If we hear about him in the offseason, say it's the winter meetings where they say, oh, John Angelus is willing to commit this much to players or, or whatever it is, I'll say, okay, sure. Or John Angelus. won't like it, but it's it's not in the middle of a right. pennant chase. John Angelus wants to improve the scoreboard. I'd say, okay, great. John Angelus wants to improve the food at Camden Yards. Okay, great. That's stuff that can be reserved for the offseason. Right now, what we're hearing about John Angelus is stuff that we don't need to hear. It has no place. Right in the middle of the season, and I, you know, I, I think Stan maybe misunderstood your question a little bit. Every player on the team has heard about this mm-hmm. and has talked about this probably. 
and and it's not good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not it's, a good thing. Yeah, I, I think Stan thought that that what I was asking him was has Kevin Brown impacted the way the players are playing? Yeah. What I was asking is has the fact that the national media has their eyes on exactly. Baltimore for all the wrong reasons when the team on the field has given them reason to have their eyes on them for all the right reasons, and now the team's like, man, we have the best record in the American League, and all that they can talk about is outside drama right. regarding this team. Right. That's the question I was asking. And I can't imagine that doesn't have an impact. Right. You know, and, and and here's the thing. If the Oriole if Felix Bautista doesn't give up that grand slam to Kyle Tucker, we're not having this conversation. Probably not, no. Because yeah. the Orioles make a statement. In their first game after this whole debacle. Debacle, they go out there and they take it to the defending world champions yep. and beat them. And they take two out of three. We're not having this conversation, but we are because they didn't. And you can't help but think it's part of this a byproduct of what happened with ownership over the weekend. Yeah, I you mean, know, it, and 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 Stan was saying that Kevin Brown has been off the air for ten to twelve games prior to this. Yeah. So how can it be? Well, because this came out right on Monday. This didn't happen this two be- weeks ago, and we've been talking about for, this came out on Monday. I mean, this is sports news that made CNN. Which mm-hmm. is not a sports channel. This is a, a channel that typically focuses on politics and things that have nothing to do with sports. So for that to make it on there tells you how insanely widespread this was. Yeah. The, Everyone saw it. Every major publication, every media outlet was talking about this. Yeah. And Everyone. it's it's embarrassing. Yeah. And it sucks for Orioles fans. We gotta get Brent on the line. Uh Brent Harris from WBA will be joining us here in just a moment. Um every single sports outlet is talking about this and it's embarrassing because the Orioles have been so bad for so long that when they're finally good again something has to happen to make them a laughing stock again and for Orioles fans who've had nothing but failure in their lifetime <clears throat> me it sucks it sucks there's no getting around it you can't help but think it has a it has an impact on the product on the field but look this this Orioles team has time and time again this season proven that nothing's stopping them nothing gets to them they go out and they win ball games day in and day out they've lost three of four they lost four games in a row earlier this year and immediately followed it up with an eight game winning streak you're not going to convince me that that this team can't right the shipping and and, and you know, win this division and make a run in the playoffs. It just stinks that all of this ha- kind of had to happen in the same week. With that in mind, uh, joining us now, his first time ever on the batter round from WBAL, he is Brent Harris. Brent, good morning. It's Paul. It's Zach. How are you today? Good morning. How you doing, guys? We're doing well. Really uh, happy to have you on the show, Brent. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure for me to be able to talk some Orioles baseball with you here on a Saturday morning. And Brent, before we get into the on-field product, Zach and I were just talking about um, what's going on in this past week, the news about the lease uh, and what's been holding that up and the whole Kevin Brown situation. I don't know how much you're able to talk about it, um, but I just wanted to get your opinion. We, we were thinking that potentially the outside distractions – have maybe had a, an, an impact on the product on the field. You're looking at a team that has the best record in the American League going into the series against the Astros. They'd won seven of eight. They were 21 and seven since the All-Star break. Kind of a black eyes put on the organization across to the national media about Kevin Brown's quote-unquote suspension. And then the Orioles go on to lose three of four. How much is, is, does an outside distraction like that imp- impact uh, a team's on-field production? 
Well, it, it's definitely been a tough week for sure um, surrounding the Orioles. I don't know how much of it trickles down to the team um, because a lot of the, obviously a lot of the issues, you talk about the Kevin Brown issue, you talk about the lease, uh, they're kind of outside distractions. Doesn't mean the players don't know that this is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, you're playing a really good Astros team that was red hot. Um, so that, you know, that's, that's going to be a tough matchup. And now you're going out west, which, by the way, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, you know, look, the, the Seattle Mariners got an off day before they host the Orioles. The Orioles had to play on Thursday, travel all the way out west, um, so that I think that was a tough turn. Yeah. So I wouldn't put too much on the fact they only had four hits in that opener last night. Um, I, I, I just think that the travel in a West Coast trip is always tough. But as far as just the distractions, um, I, I think it's a lot of um, things that are weighing on fans more than it is the players. I think the lease situation is probably the most concerning by far. The Baltimore Batter report that came out, I, I think the information – uh, that the Orioles' ownership is looking for even more money. They're looking for control of that area between the two stadiums that they can build on and profit from. And, you know, those things, uh, to me, are the biggest issues. Without having a lease signed, uh, I think this is going to hang over this ball club until it gets done. I hope it doesn't affect the on-field product. I, I, I just don't know at this point if it's a player situation because I don't think the media is going to the players – and trying to get responses or comments uh, and quotes on these stories um, because I haven't really seen any. And I I just don't think that it's probably something they're too concerned about. But as you mentioned, it happens. You're going to go through a few losing streaks here and there. The Orioles have been good enough, though, this year that they've been able to put those aside. It'll be interesting the next couple of days. they got a nine-game road trip uh, that they still have to go to, to San Diego and to Oakland. Um, so I think this this nine game trip out west is is going to be big. Yeah, it's um, and it's a difficult time of the year because you're now you're in the dog days of summer in in, in August. Yep. You know, you you like you said, you you play three tough games at home against a really good Astros team, and immediately have to travel to the West Coast and play a game the next day while the Mariners had the day off. Kyle Gibson goes out and look, Brent, he took a bullet for the team last night. He didn't oh, yeah. have it, and it was obvious from the first batter that he didn't have it last night. Uh, goes five in the third innings, 12 hits, nine runs allowed, including three home runs. Orioles lose a ball game 9-2, to where, as you mentioned, they had four hits, two of which came in the ninth inning. And it kind of brings up maybe a bigger concern, which is the Orioles' starting rotation. And, yeah, Jack Flaherty has looked to be every bit of the, the pickup that they hoped he would be when they traded for him. Grayson Rodriguez looks like he's really re- rebounded nicely since coming back from the from the minor leagues to look like the the player the pitcher they hoped he would be. But Dean Kramer has already reached his career high in innings. Tyler Wells already reached and has been demoted to work on his mechanics. Kyle Bradish, they had to push him back a day and have Cole Irvin start in his place today to kind of monitor his innings. And then Gibson goes out and puts out that dud last night. Is there concern on your end that the Orioles pitching might not hold up to make a deep playoff run because we all know you're only as good as tomorrow's starting pitcher? I think the biggest you, you hit on it. The biggest concern is the innings and the buildup that this you know this team, the starting staff, has had already this year. Because mm-hmm. as you look down the final couple of months of the season, can these guys go into the sixth and seventh inning? You can't go to the bullpen every night and get four and five innings out of your pen. So um, Kyle Gibson is your workhorse. He's a guy who's pitched over 200 innings consistently. 
but Kramer is already over 130, so he's, you know, career high. You mentioned Wells. When does he come back? How do you use him? Even Grayson, you're keeping an eye on because you don't want the innings to get too high. So where do you turn to get deep into games? Uh, you know, look, this they may go to a six-man rotation here soon. You know, John Means will be back at some point. Obviously, Wells will be back. But how long can you use them in games? Are these guys going to be three-inning pitchers? Are they going to bookend um, starting pitchers in, in, you know, as a, as a rotational sort of um, element? I, I don't know. And that's, that, to me, is the biggest concern. You go into the postseason, you're as good as your starting pitcher in the postseason. It's, it's just that simple. And what three can get you through a series um, and get you deep into games? And I think that's the biggest question mark. Yeah, and then you mentioned you can't have your bullpen going four and five innings uh, every night. We've seen Felix Bautista with the chinks in the armor against the Astros. He gave up five runs in that series, blew a save, converted another one, but uh, walked the tightrope with that one. Um, with The help that they're going to get for the bullpen is going to come internally. It has to at this point. They, they went and got Fujinami two weeks before the deadline, and he's been really hit or miss for this ball club since he got here. The only guy that you're looking at is maybe D.L. Hall, and then maybe you have a Means and Wells piggyback, as you alluded to. Is that enough for the Orioles to continue this and go on to win this division? I mean, it might have to be. And you need to get uh, Danny Colomb healthy now. Yeah. Um, and obviously Nick Vespi's been up and down. Uh, there's been talk about, you know, a healthy if Keegan Aiken can come back and give you those innings. Um, so there's a lot of of options, but not necessarily one that you go, man, that is, that is the direction you want to see this team going, right? I mean, it's just, there's too many uncertainties. Um, and, and I like Cole Irvin coming out of the bullpen and giving you innings, but it's starting to kind of shape up that you're going to have starters going three or four, and then you're going to have somebody like Cole Irvin or John Means or Tyler Wells come in for three or four more mm-hmm. before you get to the back end of, of the uh, bullpen. And, I, I don't know that's the, the recipe for success because we've never seen it before. Um, you know, we have seen over the years, like the Rays use an opener and then go to a bullpen game, and they've had success doing that. Um, and at this point, it looks like the Orioles are going to have six, seven, eight guys with starting experience that may all be able to pitch down the stretch. Again, none of them can really pitch very deep outside of Colin Gibson. Yeah, and – and that, that's going to be an issue um, moving forward, and it kind of makes you wonder, like, maybe they, they needed to go and get that extra starting pitcher to deadline or in the offseason to kind of you know prepare for something like this. I don't think anybody saw the best record in the American League midway through August coming, um, but you knew that the Orioles were probably going to be in playoff contention, and it was going to come down to you know how good is your starting rotation. But... Brent, the other thing here is you can pitch as well as you want. If you don't hit and don't score runs, you're not going to win ball games. The Orioles, like you said, four hits last night, just the two runs. You look at Anthony Santander's second-half struggles. He's got a 185, 293, 370 slash line in the second half with a 67 OPS+. plus. That's heading into last night's game. Austin Hayes, a 26 OPS plus since the All-Star break heading into last night's game. Kowser hasn't gotten it going. You have Cedric Mullins coming back, which I think is huge for this team, but you know he's going to be rusty after the after the long layoff with the injury. Uh, what are you? Are there any concerns on your end about the lineup? Are you kind of looking at like these guys are cold at the same time? They're probably going to get hot at the same time. And then a, a backup question to that is: Do you anticipate Heston Kerstad playing a role down the down the stretch here for this team? 
I tell you what, I've been saying all season, I can't wait until Heston Kerstad comes up. I think he would add uh, a bat, an element to uh, to this lineup, you know, and, and he's not going to be batting third, fourth, or fifth, but all of a sudden you may add Kerstad in the seventh slot, mm-hmm. and he brings all that power, and he extends your lineup a little bit, so I'm excited. I think he'll be up. I think when they expand the roster by, by a couple of spots, I think he may take one of those. I, I, I just... I'm so excited to see what he can do because he is—he has nothing left to prove, right? At AAA, he's ready, right? Um, and I think that could be a spark. Uh, as far as the rest of the lineup, um, you know, it's—it's—they go through games, and it feels like every four or five games where they just don't hit as a team, mm-hmm. and you don't want to see that pop up again in in the postseason. I do like the balance. I mean, it is a very balanced lineup, and so maybe. Uh, if Rushman's not getting on base, you have Malcastle who starts to come alive and he goes into one of his hot streaks. You know, maybe if Santander is down, now Mullins may pick up a little bit of that slack. You don't see the whole team top to bottom, one to nine, struggle too often. Right. Um, but every so often, like we did last night, it might be, you know, the travel to the West Coast is a tough turnaround for him. Um, every so often you see the lineup uh, not be able to produce runs. But then you'll get three or four straight games where they're putting up seven, eight, right. and it seems like every night there's a different player that's able to kind of come through. And I think that's a good, yeah, you know, that's a good problem to have that you don't really rely on one, two, three players that you know one to nine somebody's going to end up having a big offensive night. Yeah, this is definitely one of the deepest rosters we've seen in Baltimore for a very long time. You have a lot of athletes on this team, so I do yeah. have confidence that th- that this lineup will. Uh, get it going again last night, like you said, be all the extenuating circumstances with the travel and not having an off day in between uh, certainly is impacting things, at least the first game of that series. Now, Jackson Holiday, five hit game last night. He's hitting 387 at double A. He, he's hit above 300 at low A, high A, and double A. Mike Elias said that there's a chance he could be called up this year, but he wouldn't bet on it. Um, but, you know, they, they called up a 19-year-old Manny Machado in 2012 when and had him skip AAA. They called up a, 20, a 20-year-old Gunnar Henderson last year. Is there a, Do you think that Jackson Holiday could find himself on this Orioles roster before, before things are said and done uh, this season? You know, it's, it's hard to believe when, when Jackson Holiday was first drafted and he, and he said he could be the majors within a couple of years. Most of us looked at it and said, I, I love the ambition, mm-hmm. but there's no way an 18-year-old kid, a 19-year-old kid is going to be put into the major league. And then all he has done is just almost prove us wrong, right? Every step of the way, he's been incredible. Right. And he's the number one prospect in baseball. Um, the issue I have is if you bring him up late in the season, how's he going to get enough at-bats? where he starts to feel comfortable. That transition from AA to AAA is a big jump. AAA to the majors is another big jump. Yeah. And I think if you bring him up and sit him on the bench to pitch hit, uh, have him in there situationally, I, I don't know that helps the team. I think you've got to bring him up and play him every day for a bit before you put him into that role. And I just don't know that they can afford to, to roll the dice on it. Um, I mean, obviously, it would be fun. I think fans would be pretty excited if he did get caught up this year. I think ultimately, though, I think you're looking at next year, which is still pretty incredible. 
Yeah, and the, the the point there is you have a team that last year when they called up Gunnar Henderson, they were a fringe playoff team, and maybe he was going to give the team a spark. You're looking at a team right now that has yeah. a chance to win a pennant, and they've got Gunnar Henderson, they've got Jordan Westberg and Ramona Reyes and Adam Frazier, and you can't really justify skipping Joey Ortiz to bring up a Jackson Holiday. It's not time for an experiment. It's time to go win a, win a pennant. And I think that, 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 that you're correct in that remark that they'll probably wait till next year. And, and remember, Gunnar had a lot of time at AAA, right? Yep. At, at least he made the transition. I think you're talking about going from AA to the major leagues in, what, four or five weeks from now? That, that to me, is going to be a little bit tougher. And if you don't have at-bats when he gets up uh, to the majors, then I, I just think you're not doing him you know, any service by just putting him on the bench. Yeah, I agree with you. And if he's if he's playing for the Orioles in twenty twenty four, that's quicker than any of us could have met, could have imagined yeah, at the beginning of the season. It's something he's definitely on an expedited pro, um, uh, track to get here sooner rather than later. I don't think that sooner needs to be this season. Uh, Brent, before we let you go, we play a little game here on the bat around uh, every week that we call Take to Rake. And basically what the, what we do here is uh, we each pick a player that we think is going to have the best offensive week for the Orioles from this Saturday, from tonight's game through next Friday. You are the guest, and since you are the, you're a first-time guest, even though I won Take to Rake last week, I took Adley Rutschman, and he had by far and away the best offensive week of the three players taken. Um, you get to pick first because you're a first-time guest, Brent. Only rule, you cannot take Anthony Santander because last week's guest took him, and they, you can't take the same player two weeks in a row. All right, so I think, you know, Rushman is the obvious choice, right? Mm-hmm. He's a guy play, you know, from Oregon and um, West Coast, and, uh, you know, I'm sure he feels very comfortable out there with the time change. Uh, but I'll go with a long shot. I'll take Jordan Westberg this week. I think Jordan Westberg... Um, I love what he's done defensively, but, you know, he's pushing up, uh, you know, 270, 275. Um, he hits the ball. Even his outs have been pretty loud out. Mm-hmm. He's, he's had some really great exit velocity this year. Um, and I just think every at-bat, like, you just see that comfort level get even higher and higher. So I'm going to go Westbrook. Westberg is a bold take. I'd like to see him get the playing time that he um he's been sharing with with Adam Frazier. But I, I I'm a I'm a Jordan Westberg guy. I, I love the player, so I, I it's a it's a fun pick for sure. For me, uh, I'm going to take. I can't take Rutschman. I've got Santander out there. He's due to break out any moment. Cedric Mullins out there. Gunnar Henderson. I think Gunnar Henderson is at the beginning of a little bit of a slide here, or maybe right in the middle of it. I'm going to be bold and take Cedric Mullins. I think that Cedric Mullins, um, you know, he had the, the four games down at down at Double A, and I think he has an opportunity to really get the back going and really be a catalyst for this team. So I'm going Cedric Mullins. Zach, who you got? This might be one of the first times all year, but I'm going to take Ryan Malcastle. Okay. I don't think he's been taken this year by I, me. I took him you early took him? in the okay. year. Okay, okay, got it. Yeah, um, Ryan Malkhouse. All right, solid pick as well. He's been the hottest hitter on the team since coming off the IL. Brent, what do you got coming up before we let you go? Oh, it's a busy day. Of course, the Ravens open it up tonight, and so we've got our two-and-a-half-hour pregame show, a little preseason football, and then uh, I think we'll be on for about three hours after the game on the postgame on WBAL and 98 Rock. So, it is going to be a long day of football, and then right back into baseball tomorrow. Uh, you know what, though? I'll bet, you, I'll bet you're going to love every second of it. So, Brent, oh, man. You can't beat it. should it. be good. You can't beat it. Orioles Orioles, really good team. The Ravens look to have a really good team, and they're playing at the same time. It's an awesome time to be a Baltimore sports fan. Brent, so, thank you so much for taking the time for us today. Hope to talk to you down the line real soon, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
And that was Brent Harris from WBAL. Really nice segment there with Brent. Special thanks to him for coming on the show. I've actually um, known Brent for a pretty long time. Um, we used I, He used to come into the restaurant that I worked at for, um, pretty frequently, and I would run, in, run into him at different places. I, we went to the same gym for a little bit, and we would talk at the gym. Um, Brent, really good guy. Glad I finally got an opportunity to have him on the show. Uh, we got to catch our final break. When we come back in, we will close things out with our final thoughts. That's next on The Battle Round. It's game on every day at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here, you are in on every play with 100-foot screens at Sports and Social, the best table games action, and FanDuel Sportsbook all just steps away. The best bar bites and drinks to indulge in steaks and curated cocktails. Your game day only gets better when matched up with Live's distinguished dining options. Late game? No problem. Our luxury hotel awaits. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be on game day and every day. For more information, visit www.maryland.livecasinohotel.com. Hotel.com. At Arundel Mills, must be 21, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an Easy Pass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easy. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. It's the return of Grateful Dead Night on Friday the 18th. A special t-shirt package is available. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday the 19th with our Bates Overfest. Get some beer specials while you enjoy the game. And get here early on Sunday for a pre-game meet the team autograph session. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms it's a maryland thing you wouldn't understand where the waves meet the shore you will find dorchester county hi this is jimmy charles when i think of maryland i think dorchester county on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. Hell yeah. It's a Maryland thing. Hell yeah. The 
latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. I just learned that Zach is quite the whistler. I can whistle. I'm <laughs> whistling that Glenn Clark Radio the, former intro. The 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 bat around break three music. Yeah, is, I guess we can classify it as that. Is now. a bat around break three music, and it is the dopeness. Anyway, the, the dopeness. The dopeness <laughs> by Incubus. <laughs> You're such an idiot. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love doing it. Like I, I love making fun of the music you listen to, just because, not because I don't like it, just because it's fun. Like it really it's is the fun. same thing it's that the same I do thing with you, you do. with Bruce Springsteen. But no, you, but you actually have a personal vendetta against Bruce Springsteen. No, here's the thing. I, I actually I I don't. <laughs> you do. I don't. You, you so, a thousand percent so, do. So I don't dislike Bruce Springsteen. Uh-huh. I just don't love him the way <laughs> his fans do, and they make it so easy to not like him because. It's it's absurd. By the way, I, I I know you've explained this before, so I, I do want to ask you this. One time we were in the car together, and we were, we were driving to an Orioles game, and I put on country music, and you go, I don't listen to country music. Do, is that still the case? I think you dreamt that. When have we ever been in the car driving we, to an Oh, 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 We drove right. to an Orioles game together. That was like Easter Sunday like yeah, last yeah. year. It was, it was. And, uh, and so, you were like, I hate country music. And I, I did. I didn't say I hate country music because I don't hate country music. Oh, all right. Maybe I remember um, wrong. I don't like new country music because I don't. I'm re- actually I, with I, you there. I don't really have a dog in that fight. You know what I mean? I don't have a, a particular artist that I enjoy. Yeah. Um. When I liked country music, I was hanging out with people in my late teens, early twenties who were really into country music. Mm-hmm. So I had to listen. Well, you're to from it. Harvard County, and, and I developed a, a, a fondness for like um, uh, Tim McGraw, okay. Toby Keith, and Kenny Chesney because they were they That's were your at era. The, they were era. at the height of their power. No doubt, That's your back era. then they were um they were the guys back then. So like I. I and actually on one of my favorite playlists, I have a couple of Kenny Chesney songs, oh, a couple of Tim McGraw songs, and a couple of Toby Keith songs. Yeah, it has to be a really good country song for me to like it. Yeah, right. it has to be a really good one. Um, the whole uh, Florida Georgia line, and uh, I don't do Florida. Not, no. not uh, Keith Urban. That kind, those guys. I don't th- do Keith they, Urban either. They kind of um, turned me off. Of yeah. of country music, so I was never a huge fan, but I did go through a little stretch where I enjoyed it, and there's still some songs to this day that I enjoy. Uh, AJ says uh, we got to get rid of "Thank God I'm a Country Boy" at the, <laughs> at the Orioles games. It, it, uh, that's it, that, it, might as well get rid of uh, "Proud to Be an American" at Ravens games. It's 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 <laughs> well, it's one of those songs that's never going. The anywhere. Ravens still did a complete disservice to everybody by getting rid of Seven Nation Army. Never should have happened. Never should have happened. 
Well, but that wasn't just the Ravens. I know, but yeah, I mean, I mean if, the, it's, the, it's not it's not unique to them. But they still did get rid of it. I mean, they don't really yeah. play. They used to play that during well, introductions and all that. It was fun. But but the Orioles kind of took it over. I guess they kind of took it over in that 2014 playoff run. Yeah, and people stri- still try to make it a thing. Um, I don't think it was ever meant to be. It was just at the height of that song's popularity. It was. That's and, true. And yeah. so, uh, like, you would hear it on Madden when the Ra- yeah, you would, when, when yeah. you would play with yeah. any team. It was a, it was an NFL thing. It was, and that's that's the the thing that has always bothered me about that song. It was one of those things, kind of like Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> oh, jeez. Where. The fans made me like it less. Okay, that's a fair argument, the, I guess. The, the fans of the the Baltimore sports fans mm-hmm. acted like it was our thing. Like we were the team that came up. With the, the The Seahawks were using that far before the Ravens were. I guess they were. AJ says the Ravens always played U two during injuries, and they did. They played U two for a while. I, I, it, it was it's not a, that anymore, though. No, it was. A, I want to run. Yeah, I think I, I think want it was. To hide. It was it was at uh, where, where the streets have no name. name. Yeah, so that was, where the streets have no name. Song, which it definitely I, was great song. Honestly, I feel about you two the same way I feel about Bruce. I don't care for you two at all. You two has had some really really good songs. The Joshua and, and Tree album was fantastic. They're, they're they're good songs from the late '80s, early '90s were really good. They've been really bad since yes. then. Yeah. And the people that yep. love you too make me like you. And also Bono's kind of a douche. Um <laughs> that th- that that makes me like them oh, less. That's funny. Right. The Bruce Springsteen has some songs that are classics, and I and I enjoy so many. some of his songs. But okay. I, it's just the he's the greatest songwriter and singer and performer that's ever lived. No, he's not. No, he's yes, not. He is. No. Yes, he no. is. No. I will tell you right now, right. it's an unpopular opinion. Prince, well, uh, Michael Jackson. I, I think it was I think it was Tyler Wells went to, it was him and Adley Rutschman and Ryan Malcastle, I think. They all went to the Springsteen concert in Baltimore when he was here in, in April. They went after the game. I was actually at that game and went to the Springsteen concert too. And uh, and Tyler Wells did an interview in The Athletic and said, you know, I never got it before I went to a concert. He said, now I get what everyone's talking about. I, I, I'm sure that I could go to a Bruce Springsteen concert and have the time of my life. I went to a Limp Biscuit concert and <laughs> had a freaking blast. Yeah. It was the craziest, most wild concert I've <laughs> ever been to. It was absolute chaos. And yeah. I loved every second of it because it was so absurd and so fun. He invited every single Fred Durst at the end of the song, at the end of the concert, for the song the song. Break stuff, break, which break is, stuff. What a it's, name! It's their most, it's their most popular song. It's yeah. because a it, whole seven thousand people listen to it. <laughs> go watch. Anyway. go watch the Woodstock footage from nineteen ninety nine. They and, read and that. Interesting. They incited the the biggest brawl there <laughs> during that song. I, I'm telling you, look up. I'm doing look, so. Look up Limp Biscuit Break Stuff Woodstock nineteen ninety nine. It is absolutely it's it biscuit like, with a K, correct? Yes. Like like hazy with an B I Z K I T. Um, it is like I just said, absolute chaos. Well, when I went to this concert last May, Fred Durst invited every person that was dressed up as Fred Durst in one way or another on stage for that song, <laughs> and they played it, and it was. He was so interactive with the fans. He let two or three different fans come on stage to sing his songs with him. He let one guy hang out on the recliner on the stage. I like remember, the entire I taking show. a picture of that. And then he invited a third of the crowd onto the, sta- onto the stage with the lights all the way up for their most popular song. 
Well, what's even funnier is that your buddy, who were named nameless, uh, because I, I, you know, I don't want to put him on blast for being a he, huge Limp Biscuit fan. He went. He was going to this concert before Glenn made you go to this concert, yes. and you both had a way better time than I think anybody could have predicted. But he, Glenn well, would have had a miserable not, time. Not only Glenn didn't go. I know. I'm saying he would have had a miserable time, even though he's probably the biggest live music fan I know. I think he would have enjoyed himself. I think it would. Really? I, I think mm-hmm. it's impossible to have not enjoyed yourself <laughs> at that show. Because of how ridiculous it was. But yes, my buddy, and I've made fun of, I'll still make fun of him. I hope he's listening right now. He knows who he is. He, <laughs> he, he pre-ordered tickets for that Limp yeah, Bizkit concert. I know. When I told him that I had to go to the concert, we, the three of us were playing golf. That was the day that I drained yep. my 7-iron on a yep. par 5 for Eagle from 177 yards <laughs> out. Um, he, it was on the second hole right as we're approaching the tee box. I was like, yeah, I got to go to this Limp Bizkit concert. He's like, dude, I already pre-ordered tickets. <laughs> and I was like, shut the hell up. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, I'd go see him again. The, 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 the girl that started it off, they were, supposed to have, they were supposed to have this rapper whose name was Snot. He was supposed to be That's awesome. um, one of the opening acts, and he had COVID and couldn't perform. Then they had this little girl who must have been... I mean, when I say little girl, I mean it's in stature. She was a grown woman, right? But she was like four foot eight, and she oh. was wearing these like platform combat shoes, and she's stomping around the stage like, like, you know that that type of like yeah. death metal music. Yeah. That was her. The only I made out like seven words that she said the entire time, and it was so funny to me. <laughs> then they had a band, and I'm pretty sure I've said it on the show before. The next band comes on, and they were the music was entertaining, but they had. They had two lead singers. They had a guy lead singer and a girl lead singer. And okay. the guy played bass and the girl played guitar or vice versa. Well, her chord kept falling out for the, oh, for the, nice. for the guitar. And so their tech, the, the, their like roadie guy, had to duct tape it on stage while she was performing. Wow. But he was also wow. their DJ, right? And then <laughs> at some point, at some point in the oh. middle of a song... He jumps out from his tech role and his DJ role and jumps into the crowd and starts rapping. And he's a better rapper than the other two were singers. He was awesome. Then he jumps back on stage. The male lead singer goes out into the crowd. He's performing. So now the tech rapper uh, DJ guy has to help this guy back up on stage. Well, the lead male singer tries to jump on stage. He grabs the tech DJ rapper guy's hand and he drops him off the stage onto the ground. That's awesome. The whole thing was such and they never stopped singing. They never stopped singing. They never stopped playing. When all this crap is happening around them it was hysterical and awesome all at the same time and this was before Limp Bizkit ever even took the stage the entire night was chaos in the best possible way I couldn't have imagined more crap to go wrong from start to finish and still have such an awesome hysterical time well you know the quality of a band is really low when they need two opening acts and one of them is called snot and he didn't even it make was, it. I mean, it was three, three. Oh, so acts. so there wasn't a replacement for Snot. There was no. actually supposed to be these three. Okay, yes. got Snot it. Snot was it. supposed to go on at like six. Then the little angry, <laughs> cursing, growling girl at seven. Then the then the next band was like eight thirty, and then uh, Limp Bizkit went on at like nine thirty. Wow. And it was the some of the most fun I've ever had at a concert. It was so much fun for all. Like it had nothing to do with the fact that like I like. It's not like I liked any of the bands. It was just 
So stupid. By the way, fun. you want to hear something stupidly funny? I just saw on, on Twitter that the one of the guys running for the Republican nomination for president, Vivek Ramaswamy, just wrapped Eminem's "Lose Yourself" on stage at a campaign event, which is just—I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, that's—it <laughs> sounds wrapped like Eminem. It's probably no well, better I'm, than what happened at your concert. I'm bleeding. You're bleeding. I'm bleeding. I have a. I'm I was. Lord. I was scratching my knee because oh. I have uh, from playing baseball and. I stole like three or four bases in my game last week, and mm-hmm. but if you play baseball in Harford County, you know that the, that the infields are, they're, they're they're like cement. Yeah. Um, and I have a raspberry on my knee, and one on my left butt cheek for those you know <laughs> that are keeping score at home. And uh, I was scratching an itch on this scab, and I must have accidentally broken it open. Um, but anyway, neither here nor there. By the way, for those keeping score, what what is the current fruit of your daughter? What is the current fruit size? Oh, oh, thank you. I am, my wife sent it to me too early. Okay, today Got so it. she Didn't usually remember. sends okay. it during the show, but she sent it at like eight thirty this morning. Our daughter. Can I guess? Can I make a guess? It's not a fruit. Oh, it is a vegetable. I was gonna guess tangerine, but no, I guess that's it, a fruit. It, so I told Laura, I was like, "Let's see. Last week she was a large onion. Today she's either gonna be an Idaho potato or a grapefruit." <laughs> Actually, no, I was gonna say I didn't mean tangerine. Tangerine's the size of an orange. Yeah, that's yeah. that's basically the size of a, a large onion, which what what it was Smaller last week. Smaller than that. Um, yeah, that that's not. I meant grapefruit. You're correct. Um, it's Can, not. It's not a fruit. It is a low calorie vegetable. Low cal. How about a. Uh, how about some iceberg lettuce? No. Okay. I don't know that. Yeah, see, I thought they would continue going like ball size. <laughs> yeah, like, ball like size. The ball shaped. No, she is the size of a cucumber. Oh, cucumber. That's her length. That's weirdly shaped. Oh, that's her length. That's Got her it. length. Okay. So it's All it's right. it's not the shape, it's the Got size, it. like the length. So she is the length of a cucumber. AJ says eggplant. Well, I guess that's I, the... I'm still holding well, when she's when she's the size of an eggplant, but Laura's gonna be about ready to pop. Um <laughs> I'm I'm still holding out hope that we're gonna get Idaho potato here at some point. Idaho but, potato, but I think a cucumber is longer than the Idaho potato, so maybe we have oh, now a thousand percent it is past that. Maybe it'll be a um a plantain next. A pl- that'd be cool. That'd a be plantain. really cool. Little plantain valley. Yeah, plant. That's that's gonna be their name. Plantain valley. Same initials as her, as her father. Plantain yeah. valley. Plantain. Um, man. Plantain valley. The we third. are so off t- off track here. Um, Orioles big game tonight. Trying to get back on track here. Um, they need to win this game to give them to give themselves an opportunity at a series victory tomorrow. Um, really want to see them go out and swing the bats because their their last. I mean, they've been swinging the bats okay. Last night they really got shut down. And the thing is, they worked really deep counts they against did. Luis Castillo. I mean, Castillo threw twenty one pitches in the first inning. I think twenty three in the second inning. He threw. At one point, he had thrown at least six pitches to every batter going in, like into the third inning, um, and they did nothing against him. Santander hit a home run and to make it two one, and you're sitting and you're like, okay, all right. Well, they didn't do anything else till the ninth inning. Really want to see the team's bats get going. Yeah. Um, I thought that Colton Kalser made better contact yesterday. He walked a couple of times. I'd like to see him maybe get on base, maybe get another opportunity, but he may not start tonight. Um, they need Cole Irvin to give them something. I do not like him starting. I, I don't think that he gives you length. I think that he if they get five out of five innings out of him tonight, based on how he's looked in his all of his other starts, they'll be lucky. Yeah. Um he's had, he's had the one start where like he got into the seventh inning and you're like, all right, that Cole Irvin looked great tonight. I don't have a lot of confidence in that. Um I think the bullpen's gonna get worked tonight, but uh, they they need to figure out a way to win this ball game tonight. And 
kind of right the ship up. Every team goes through this, especially this time of year, but the, the cream separates itself yep. um, this time of year also. And if you want to prove that you're the cream of the crop, that you're one of the best teams in baseball, you got to start separating right now. Totally. Win the, win the ball game tonight. Your thoughts? Uh, I mean, you said everything. I, I I don't think there's much more to add there. They've got to turn this around quickly or things could spiral. And they've got to get Tyler Wells back up here in the next two weeks or so and add him. Uh, D.L. Hall's probably really close to a call-up. Uh, Michael Givens, I don't know what you can expect from really any of these guys. John Means is going to be here for reinforcements. But like you said before, they're going to be crawling to the finish line here. Yeah, But you've got to hope that once October comes in, in early November, I don't know if the playoffs go in early November this year, but they usually do, they're going to have to be at the top of their game then. Here's, here's the thing that I've come to realize about playoff baseball. Playoff baseball brings out the best. Oh, undoubtedly, yeah. It brings sure. out the best. So my concern isn't how these guys are going to perform in October. Right. It's getting there. And there will be a playoff and, hero that was not the hero previously. Like, Ryan McKenna could go in the playoffs and hit, like, 450 and right. hit, like, seven home runs in the playoffs. Yeah, like, who who knows? Happen. It won't happen. Uh, but does he even have seven career home runs? Probably not. Um, And and, and that's the thing. I, I'm not... I, I, the Orioles are going to the playoffs. So there's not a doubt in my mind that the Orioles are a playoff team and they will be there, especially with the, the way that the rest of their schedule shapes up. They have an opportunity to win some games here. The Orioles are going to the playoffs. It's getting there healthy... And then all bets are off. You could see Kyle Gibson throw an eight-inning two-hitter in his first start. Yeah. You know, you, you have no idea. Get there, and then let's take our chances. You know what yep. I mean? But but I want to get there as division champs. I want to get there as the number one seed in the American I don't want to have to play in wild-card games. Yeah. I really don't I, think I, that's... I don't, I don't want a wild-card series where, you have to, where you're matching up with a team like Texas or right. Houston or Tampa Bay that either knows you really well or you don't match up well with. Right. I want a seven-game series. Yeah. Although I don't think the division series is five. still five games, five. right? Yeah, I, I want an opportunity for the Orioles to win a to win a series. And I, I think that any team can lose two out of three. You know, it does. You could be a hundred and six win team like the Dodgers when they lost a couple of years ago. They lost, didn't they lose? The, they lost a wild card game to the Giants. Oh, they did, yeah, yeah. They lost a wild card game to the Giants, and their season was over. That's it. Yep. You know. Um, or maybe no, it was the other way around. The Giants lost a wild card game to. Yeah, you're right. It, the Giants have won like 113, 114 they, no, they, games. They, they won 107. The, the, okay. the Dodgers won 106. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. And then um, it was. Was it the was it Scherzer who beat the Giants or he pitched deep against? Probably. Yeah. I, I can't remember. I I know it was Dodgers Giants and one of those two teams lost, and I think it was the Giants. And then the Dodgers didn't make it much further in the playoffs, but. Get there, get there healthy, and get there in a, with an opportunity to, you know, already be into the division series. That, that's that's what I want for this team, and I think they can get there, but let's right the ship a little bit with a win tonight. Ravens taking on the Philadelphia Eagles M&T Bank Stadium tonight. Um, nobody that we know is really playing. I don't anticipate Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews. I think you'll see a lot of Isaiah Likely Probably. tonight. A lot, a lot of Josh Johnson and Tyler Huntley. Yep. Pro Bowl um, Tyler Huntley to you. Pro Bowler. That's <laughs> the biggest joke in the history of sports. Yeah, it truly is. Um, that would be like Ryan McKenna being in all, the yeah, All-Star Yeah, uh, it's about equivalent. The, yeah, that's what it would be. Um, is there any... like Honestly, I've been so invested in the Orioles... That the, aside from the Ravens quarterbacks last weekend throwing nine interceptions, and aside <laughs> yeah. from um, those were setup drills though because yeah. those were third and long, so yeah, they were As, aside, forcing it. Aside from that, and knowing that and hearing that the, that the Ravens offense still has a lot of work to do to like 
Odell Beckham looks great, though. I mean, if yeah. you've seen, I don't know if you watched the live streamed practice. I ended up not going to that. Uh, the practice that it was in the 115 was that, degrees. It was like 115 outside. degrees, yeah. Uh, but I watched the live stream of it. And Odell was just everything thrown to him. He was making great they catches. They live streamed that. They live streamed that. I on wish YouTube. I would have known that. Yeah, it's, it's probably you can go on there and find it. That's it's, so cool. They play like 11 on 11 at the very end for about 20 minutes or so, and Odell shined. Um, uh, what's his name? I'm trying to remember the Laquan Treadwell is his name he shined in that practice as well and Odell's been apparently making some great catches Zay Flowers has looked good uh he was he, Zay Flowers did not actually participate in that stadium practice because he was under the weather mm-hmm. but uh yeah I, I'm excited to see uh what, what goes on tonight even though it's going to be nobody really know do you think Zay Flowers plays at all this preseason yes I think he will I do I, I think, think he has thir- to thir- third game third game maybe the opening yeah. series um I don't want to see Lamar I don't want to see Mark Andrews I don't want to see even Marlon Humphrey, none of these guys. I don't yeah, want to see yeah, Odell. He, none of these you guys. You don't need to. No. You don't need to. And I, I think that – and I've been hearing that the Ravens' defense looks absolutely nasty. That's the, the word. I, yep. I, I, I've been hearing that they look absolutely nasty. They had like a Broderick Washington the other day to a three-year, uh, $17.5 million extension. Yeah. Um, I think Justin Matabike is going to be a beast. As AJ notes, by the way, J.K. Dobbins has got to get on the field. He will. I mean, he. he I hope so. I have no doubts. He's the be- he's the best running back on that team. Oh, undoubtedly, yeah. He's the best running back on that team. He's on the pup list. He's a hold-in, which means he's working out. Yep. He's just not practicing with the team. I want to see, by the way, tonight Justice Hill break one. I'd love to see Justice Hill get like a seventy-yard touchdown run. Yeah. Love that. I, I I'm just I'm really looking forward to these are two teams I think could meet in the Super Bowl. You know, so I'm really looking Easily. forward to seeing the depth on both of these teams and how that because I think this is actually a really fun matchup. Because you're not going to see the starters, but you're going to see t- players that are going to have roles right. on each team. And how good is is each team's depth? This is a nice marquee matchup, in my opinion. Um, we'll give you more Ravens thoughts as we get to the season and as we continue into the season. Uh, thank you to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Really nice job today. Thank you to Brent Harris for his first time on the show. He did an excellent job as well. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Without you, we don't have a show. Thank you to all of our listeners. Without you, we certainly don't have a show. Thank you to Zach for the great work he does every week and the great segments he comes up with for sounding off with Zachary Allen Goodman. Uh, And thanks to me. Because, you know, if I don't thank me, who else, who's going to? Thanks, Paul. Hey, th- thank you. Thank you. Um, all right, guys. Enjoy the Ravens. Enjoy the Orioles. Best time to be a Baltimore sports fan is right here. I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days when you're in them. Guys, we're in the good old days. We're going to be talking about this time of year, th- th- this these next few years in Baltimore sports lore. So enjoy it while it's happening. Till next week. See ya.